driving off fast for the line insane. Glass so thick, couldn't stay in her lane. I swerved left, then I swerved right, but she was still tailgating me too damn tight. To the left lane, I tried to switch, then you saw my blinker, bitch. That's right, you saw my blinker, bitch, which is the title of the uh, insurance claim that is going to be written by one Marty from Mel's Barbershop, our friend with his beautiful 1974 blue BMW, was the victim of a, what I like to call, a bad left. Mm. And uh, we've all been there, we all know what a bad left is, and uh, he was the victim of a bad left. So I went and picked up his bike today from the impound lot, the lot of shame. And, yeah, his formerly beautiful, completely 100% factory Santa top. I mean, just a beautiful, original, unrestored 75 R75 um, with the white uh, Fulmer bags with, yeah. the, with the lights built into them, mm-hmm. the you know, gel coat white bags. Everything on that bike was just exactly the way a 1975 BMW should be just preserved. It's just... A and, daily rider. And the right side still is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he, you know, here in the neighborhood, he rides that bike to, to work pretty much every day in the summer. He parks it out in front of his barbershop. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's a way to know the barbershop is open. If you see that blue BMW He's parked there. out in front. He's, He's working. there. He's working. And uh, you saw my blinker, bitch, is exactly what the dude who hit him said. So Marty was driving to work on his way to work. Um, going down a street, you know, he's gone a thousand times before. Straight or gaily forward, whichever you Proceeding great, gaily forward, right, exactly. And he was, and he was driving straight ahead and just being a, just being a commuter, right? And a 2008 Mercedes, you know, E-Class of sorts was indicating a left-hand turn, but of course Marty has the right-of-way, and this right. guy's trying to make a left-hand turn into a driveway. So at the moment of no return this guy just goes into the driveway mm-hmm. and marty with you know all the power of an r75 brake uh, disc brake mm. just folded the bike right into the front of the guy's car that's good though that he made contact because you oh know, he we, made a we, lot of fucking contact we've talked about you know yeah. oh i had to lay it down and stuff right. like that and everything but no he actually yeah he was hit and they don't give hit. you any points for laying your bike down without a collision right for avoiding a collision. They don't they don't reward you for that. There is no congratulations, you missed a crash by laying your bike down. So as we say, you know, you grab the brakes and you crush them as hard as you can and you hope that you can avoid the problem. He didn't. Uh, the bike folded into the front fender of the car as the car turned left in front of him. He went airborne over the vehicle, of course, hitting his shoulder on the windshield as you do, mm-hmm. and then landed on his head and his, his head and his shoulder. Oof. And he has got a, a lump on his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had lost consciousness for sure. He's had a concussion. He's been concussed. No headgear. Um, just that amazing haircut that he has. Um, that, that amazing rockabilly flat top did not stop the... Uh, DOT approved. DOT approved flat top. Right, so. <laughs> well, probably hitting the windshield with his shoulder probably yeah. um, helped him out a lot, actually. Yeah, that, it, it that does probably burn, off, should burn off a lot of energy. Burns off a lot of energy. He mm-hmm. said he, all he said was he went over the handlebars and he was just thinking... He didn't really remember hitting the windshield, but he remembered thinking back to all those years as a kid. He took Taekwondo mm-hmm. and like being thrown to the mat. He's like, I just said, I'm just going <laughs> to roll into it. I'm just going to tuck my head down and roll into it. So he did. He went to the hospital. He had an MRI and all those things. They released him. 
the bike is proper fucked. So the forks are a disaster. Everything's a disaster. Um, the neck... At first, a couple of people looked at it and said, well, it appears as though all the damage is confined to the forks. Mm -hmm. Except for the motor, the entire motor of this brick, you know, this yeah. this boxer motor. It's a substantial this, bike. Yeah, and it has a very large airplane-style motor in the middle of the frame. Well, there is now one Weathershin thin sheet of paper clearance between the motor and the left frame rail, mm. and there is a full middle finger's worth of clearance between the motor and the right frame rail. So the frame... I'm pretty certain yeah. the Germans didn't. No, the so Germans it was, would not. Very precise. Yeah, it precise. was very. Yeah. Right. We're gonna make we're gonna make a blonde one worth of clearance on the left side, and we're gonna make you know three quarters of an inch worth of clearance on the right. So the bike is proper fucked. I mean, that's just what it is. So we were trying to think of all the different things that you could do with it, you know, because clearly it's never going to be a motorcycle again unless you like get a frame donor. Mm -hmm. Which is a shame because that's he's got tons of sentimental value in that bike. Can you put it on? Can you make it look okay and put it on display in the barbershop? We were ju we were thinking about making it a wall art. Mm -hmm. His bar his barbershop's pretty tight though, so it'd have to be up hanging on the wall pretty high. Uh, we were also thinking about remotoring a Ural because mm -hmm. the thing about Urals that is the weak link is everything that's well. The motor. You're all. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and an R75 motor is not something you want to give away. Mm -mm. Now, I went to the I went to the impound lot today, and there was no moving the front wheel. The front wheel was bound. I mean, it did not move yeah. at all. So, it was basically a struggle. I have a burn on my forearm, and I have a burn on my calf from, you know, starting the motor up and trying to overpower this locked front wheel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not having the tools with me at the moment because a BMW caliper is different than all the other motorcycle calipers. Normally, a front brake caliper will have two bolts that go through it and then that caliper hangs on those two bolts. It is a juice brake. It is a juice brake. Yeah. Wasn't, yep. wasn't the 75 the first? I don't know why I know, know this. I could mm -hmm. be wrong. Wasn't that the first BMW motorcycle to have a front disc brake? It Didn't the 65s have um, drum brakes up front? I don't know for sure. I know that my R50 had drum brakes up the front. I remember every 65 I think the R75, yeah, I think the R75 is definitely... It's very early version of a drum... I mean, a disc brake for disc BMW... Brake. Considering Honda's had them since you know '69, etc., but the way it works is that the caliper, the brake hanger, is actually more of a door hinge, so it runs a vertical shaft runs parallel to the front fork, and then the brake caliper hangs on that. It's like a CB750 yeah. is similar. Exactly. It has, it has like a lever. It on. has it has a, a bar that sticks yeah. out, and then the caliper sandwiches on either yeah. side of it, so it can go like this. Yeah. It's a hinge. It's Simil it's a hinge. It's door hinge. Yeah, exactly. So door hinge style. The BMW is just tighter and closer to the fork. If you want to remove the BMW caliper, there's a really long bolt that comes up from the bottom of the fork that you'd never think was there. It's very elegant looking. And you remove that long bolt, and then the whole caliper slides right off. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty neat. Pretty cool brake design for being a single pad, single piston brake operation. They're not very powerful. But yeah, so I did the, you know sprayed the rotor down with uh, PV Blaster. That's made in Cleveland, friends. Did you kick it? Oh, I kicked the living shit out of it. Mm -hmm. I rubber malleted it to the point where the kid that worked at the uh, impound lot, I was like, I need you to bring me a three-pound dead blow mallet. 
and he wasn't this kid did not have full use of his capacities I didn't realize when they sent him over to give me a hand like he was guiding me to where the bike was because most impound lots are like labyrinths of despair um, vehicles that will never be on the road ever again and so they have a special place they put motorcycles to make them like out of the prying eyes of people who might be on Ridge Road and he led me over there and I thought this kid was like a certified bona fide helper no he's not he's an, he's an oxygen thief so he basically you know any job at an impound lot any job at a towing company is a pretty fun job for a young person but he wasn't great but he brought me a mallet and the third time I hit the caliper the head of the mallet came off and I was like can I have a mallet that wasn't from Harbor Freight and this kid died laughing like he laughed way too much uh, yeah like he might still be laughing oh now my God. yeah he laughed so much I was concerned and then I was like, well, can you bring me like WD-40 or something, anything that comes in a can that's, you know, sprayed and uh, spray lubricant. And uh, I'm surprised they were helpful at all in any way or in any capacity. Usually they're pretty shitty, but they know me because yeah. I, 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 you know, I own a shop and I go there a lot. They're horrible, by the way, if yeah. you ever deal with an impound lot. I mean, they're the people who steal all the real, really steal all the shit out of your car. They really do. Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, they do. It's not the cops. My car got stolen. Money. You think the, the homeless people that right. stole my car? Yeah. Stole the kites out of the back. Stole the exactly all the bullshit right. that no homeless person that could ever turn into money or anything. Yeah. They just yeah. the impound lot can be a very very bad place for vehicles to be. We inv we inventoried your car. There was nothing left in it. Well, here's the fun end of the story. So I started the motor, and of course I could get the back. Like this thing's been properly fucking hit by a car. Mm -hmm. And to its credit, and to the overall durability, like the fins are busted off the motor. There's asphalt in the fins. Yeah. This motor's been, this bike's been fucking put to the ground hard, and yet turn both fuel taps on, pull the choke, hit the button, she started right the fuck oh, up. Damn. And beautiful. And so I'm trying to, so I sprayed the front brake down with PB Blaster and everything else, and using the motor and just like fucking whiskey throttle, letting the clutch out, and like trying to make the back end hook up more than the front end. Yeah. And just had to do it, it. Yeah, up into the ramp into the back of my truck, which is like, you know. Normal full size. Spray the PB blaster on the tire. Oh, believe me, I was thinking of all kinds of good Make shit. Make a snail trail. After I burned my fucking forearm and after I burned my fucking thigh or my calf, I was like cursing pretty good at this bike. Yeah, but I got her up in there. Like you know, that's one of those things. You got it in. I got it in. You know exactly. So that said, it'll come in a can, and I got it in there. We're we're just the entendres are just coming in heavy, and we're doing single entendres tonight. No double entendres, all single. Just really glad there was a, there was an episode of my old podcast where they were referring to variable valve timing, and mm -hmm. they kept using the phrase "when it comes on cam." When it comes on cam. And after about the sixteenth <laughs> time, I was like, "Can we use any other phrase?" Right. Right. As opposed to when it comes, <laughs> when on, it comes cam. on cam. <laughs> so to my left is. Nick DeVito. Who was supposed to be riding a bike tonight? Yeah. It, um, I was going to ride, well, I started to ride with uh, with Cam. We Cam rode his his uh, his Z125. Yeah. And I rode the Superhawk, but it ran out of electrons about maybe four miles from my house. Have you exceeded the capacity of that voltage regulator? Is that the problem? I don't know or what the do problem we just, is. There's right. no regulator on the Superhawk. Oh. Uh, no, that is literally a balanced system. Yep, yep. Your regulator are your bulbs. A selenium rectifier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it does have a selenium regulator. Yeah. So that would be your first upgrade is to go to silicone. Yeah. I, I already did that, actually. Because oh, you know where selenium comes from, right? No. Little known fact. 
It's the principal ingredient in Selsun Blue dandruff shampoo. Really? I was gonna say I know it's I know it's in shampoo. So Some you're telling shampoo. me I could refurbish my rectifier with some shampoo? I'll tell you. That's, a, that's <laughs> why Soshido Honda's hair looked so sexy, <laughs> so lush. Uh, but yeah, selenium is the principal <laughs> ingredient in Selsun Blue anti-dandruff shampoo. Weird, but yeah. It's funny. I just touched my Superhawk tonight. <gasps> I took a. Uh, Exit sign, 12-volt battery, popped yes. her in there and hooked her up, started it up. And then, Best. And then you know, dude showed up to look at the Saturn, so I was I was going to try to ride my Superhawk. Oh, you're going to ride Superhawk. But I ended up shutting her down. And Tonight was not the night for no. Superhawks to no. come to the podcast, no, I guess. I guess not. Did you sell the Saturn? So you just literally just ran out of power it, for the uh, Well, here's the thing, is I rode it to work yeah. this morning. And oh, and by the way, on the on the highway at about seventy miles an hour, my side co- cover fell off. <gasps> and oh, shit. I went back and found my side cover, but I could not find my toolkit. So, oh. <laughs> so that was the the first Honda casualty today. Uh, but on my way home, yeah, uh, I felt like it started running a little bit rough. Would that have been an original Honda factory Superhawk toolkit? I don't know. Was it in a blue? I plastic. What else would it be though? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay. I, I didn't look that closely. I at know it. where you can get one. You can't have mine. I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, go to your next AMA Vintage Day show and like while somebody's not looking, be like, oh, this is yeah. really cool. You mind if I look under here? Did oh, look, there's the no knob? tool cutting. No tool cutting. I I lost the. First of all, there was only one knob on it when I bought it. Uh, yeah. And I lost that the day after I bought it. Oh man. <laughs> I might have knobs for you. Yeah. But uh, I, so on my way home from work, it, it started running a little bit rough and yeah. the, the headlight was getting dim and it, yeah. I, I was like, oh. The coils is... were thirsty. Yeah, so yeah. It, but I, I got it home and I put it on the charger yeah. and I, I was feeling confident that I'd put enough electrons into it. <laughs> Uh, but but we made it. To pick the battery and be like, no, it's not quite full of electrons. We made enough. it like just into the asshole end of Fairlawn. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, sure. uh, it, and and I, I I was like, something's not right. And I was like, well, right. there's no way this is gonna make. It's it. not so, gonna make it so Cleveland we, and no, that. No, 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 no. I mean, you could bring it here. We could plug it into something. Yeah. Hardy, but new I, battery is good. New battery. New battery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so we turned. So it's around. clearly coming out. This this. Yeah. Put a new regulator in it, but then I be prepared to look for a problem at the stator. Yeah, yeah. That's what uh, I'm I mean, thinking. it's a pretty simple system. I think it it's is. what two or three wires coming out of the stator mm-hmm. that go to the, your what was the old selenium that you've upgraded right. to that. Yeah, and it hooks right to, to the battery. Well, because so. there's two, co- there's like a, a normal coil and there's like an extra it's headlight coil. coil or something yeah. like that. Uh, I believe yeah. there is a setup like that, yep. and then I might I mean, have I have a parts motor sitting in right. my garage mm-hmm. that is from. A CL seventy seven, mm-hmm. but it probably has the same stator oh, and everything. The same setup. Yeah. Well, with your particular set of skills, you would probably do well to measure the windings on your stator, and I will bet you that you will discover a set of windings that may be broken or, or shorted, yeah. and you'll be able to at Worst, repair the short, mm-hmm. and if you want the hero points, you could just rewind, rewind the stator, it, yeah. right? Yeah, which would be fun because I've done that, and it's not impossible. Yeah, yeah. So that, I've done that, that might before. be a good idea. I I haven't mm-hmm. dug into it at all yet, yeah. but but I have had stator failures before on bikes of that ilk in that era, mm-hmm. and they do just get to a point where they just break down over time. So yeah, that's a weird. Thing. Throw a few extra windings on it. Get some some extra power. Hey Doc, put an extra stitch in there while you're at it, right? (laughs) Yeah. 
We're gonna put a, we're gonna put up that amperage just yeah. a tiny just a little bit. bit. Maybe but, maybe then I'll need to have a rectifier. But. Right. Oh, <laughs> exactly. That's the other thing with Hondas. Check your ground. Oh yeah, mm. absolutely. You know, I on, forgot about on that. Most Hondas, and I don't know exactly yep. what's going on with the Superhawk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But look for you know a green wire on a ring connector that is grounded to the frame. Yep. Coming out of the engine, grounded to the frame. There right? will be one grounded to the frame from the motor, and there will also be another one that goes in from where your Fuse block. I'm trying to remember on a Superhawk. Superhawk, just one little inline one fuse. One little inline fuse, yep. right? So it's the inline fuse only. So there may be another ground, but there's hmm. definitely a ground from the motor to the frame. Okay. And there should be, yeah, but I would say look at any grounds you can find. Clean them That's up. That's a real good point. Yeah. yeah. It might not be with that year bike. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember on mine seeing anything, but I know on other Hondas, mm -hmm. there's always like a green wire that grounds the frame. The it, for yeah. whatever reason, the electrical system to the frame. Grounded to the yep. frame. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. Oh man, so that's too bad. So that's tough. So it'll get here eventually. Well, I, yeah. I just finished wiring up the turn signal, so I had working turn signals. Oh, oh so what did you do wrong there? That's clearly the you fucked it up. Whatever you did, you no, did I, I think what I did wrong there is I didn't put LEDs on the turn signal, so that sucked up all my juice. It did. <laughs> oh man, are you kidding me? You're running incandescent bulbs. Yeah. On I know. I previously told you to turn, turn the headlight signals. on, but maybe <laughs> turning the headlight off was the right way to go. I mean, I don't know. Well, you need to have that giant red button on the dashboard. That's the oh shit button. Mm. That when you start to fail and you start to lose power in general, you just hit that button. It shuts off everything <laughs> except for the coils. Maybe I just need to carry an, around another battery. Or welcome to the world of lithium, right? Yeah. My yeah. bike has been pretty good as far as charging. You know, like I can have a pretty flat battery and yeah. kick, kick it, kick it, kick it, and the headlight will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was one of the things I was surprised about. This is I I was able to it like it'll it doesn't idle at all and it would stop. The fact that I was able to start it back up and get it home was kind of shocking. Because uh, I know my 750, if it didn't have any juice, it was not going to start at all. Some some need a reference voltage. Yeah. So if you don't have uh, you know, a reference voltage, it won't charge at all. Mm -hmm. So the trick is you can hook a battery charger up to it, start it up, get it charging, and take it off, and it'll charge. Uh, yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Vespas yeah. are notorious. Like yeah. my Vespa, that's yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, old bikes will require that, and it's a really strange thing that that they need that. But just having a having something there that has juice can really make a big difference. I and guess that makes sense. Uh, I'd have to talk with an electrical engineer. Do you know anybody who's an electrical engineer? Hi, the only man. Somebody who really is, understands that kind of voodoo <laughs> kind of stuff. I don't, I don't. Someday maybe I'll meet one. Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> you haven't built your own CDI I'm for that Superhawk yet? I mean, no, come on. I haven't. Oh, like the CDI. I don't have enough juice to power most an electronic <laughs> CDI. The most Computers do require a stable field. <laughs> the, most, the most hilarious thing that I remember working on it, it was the guy who made a CDI for his Lambretta, mm -hmm. which was this box back in the that back. That was so funny. That had all kinds of different uh, diodes. It was a job. It was a hobby this, board. And, and it, you made and a job a, board. It had a big capacitor and a, yeah. the, 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 all this kind of stuff. I saved that somewhere. And then <laughs> I go and there's points yeah. under the. Really? Yeah. Got points. There were points. Yeah. So yeah. you were running all this. Yeah. So this whole box was what? Replacing a, a condenser? That whole, that oh, whole okay. box was actually replacing a very basic voltage regulator, is really all that box was doing. That, like, like, that box was replaced. I've seen people do nothing. like you didn't, the transistorized. You didn't do, like, you didn't do an electronic yeah. ignition. This yeah. was well. What, what he did was what you said. It was transistorized. They're points. just using the points as a switch. The it's points not parking or anything exactly. like that, so it'll last right. longer. But it, um, up on the screen, I just pulled up battery tenders. 
Uh, so battery tender, in case we hadn't mentioned it before. Ballistic and Shirai have kind of been the go-tos in the lithium battery game for a very long time. And if you look at the top of a ballistic battery, the ballistic batteries and the Shirai batteries have this little port there. So on the red battery, there's this little kind of doorway down there. There's this weird little, see that right there? And that little plug on the top of ballistic and Shirai batteries is where you need to plug in the very specialized ballistic and Shirai chargers. Mm -hmm. So you can't just charge them with a regular charger. You have to use some sort of a really important, like its own game. So Battery Tender, a you company... You lost me at special and important. Exactly. <laughs> so Battery Tender, which is Deltran, which is a company that has manufactured battery tenders, the device that we have come to address like Kleenex. Like, hey, give me a, ba I need a battery tender. Oh, is it an Optimate battery tender? Like whose brand of battery yeah. tender is it? You know, what kind of Coke, what kind of Coke do you want? Oh, I want a Pepsi. Okay, I want a Fanta orange. Okay, what kind of Coke do you want? Down south, that's Handles the thing. on rails. Right. So these Deltrans are pretty interesting because for a very, very small battery that weighs almost nothing, you can get 150 cold cranking amps. So even though this thing behaves and it's the size of what we would call like a YTX4 battery. Does it have a heat sink on the top or is it just, that's just part of the It's just part of the, the emotional experience. Yeah. But you're gonna notice it has two <coughs> positive terminals and two negative terminals, which means this thing doesn't give a fuck. You stick it wherever you wanna stick mm -hmm. it. You can stick it wherever you wanna stick it. And it's really small, it's really light. I'll pass one around so you guys can experience it. But the uh, cool thing about it is, it's the first, now this same battery in a Shirai or in a uh, Ballistic would be about $179. I was just gonna comment on the affordability of it. Okay, good. So, um, I'm excited to see, so what did he say, it was like a, a YTX4? Yeah, I believe Because yeah. uh, I've got the 07 LX150, and 06 and 07 LX150s use the same battery as the LX50. Okay. And I think that's a, like in a UASA, that's like a YB9, oh, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. like a really small battery. Sure. Yeah, it's about that size. So, huh. I've about been twice as tall here at the, the same shop, width, I think. And what I have learned about these is a YTX7 battery, the venerable battery that's in most under 250cc sized vehicles. Um, will usually have about 145, 150 cold cranking amps. And this device right here, even though it's operating at a 2.5 amp hour rating, it has 150 cold cranking amps. Wow. Okay. It feels like it's empty. It feels like they forgot to put the acid in it. There's no electrons in there. Right. It's completely devoid of electrons. It's lithium battery. That won't super help me. There's no lead in it. Right. It's the size of two packs of cigarettes, three packs of cigarettes. There's no lead in it. But what its real party trick is, and what it does really, really super well, that the other ones don't do, is if you look at that SAE connector, you're gonna see that there's a button on there. Yeah. And there's a third terminal. There's a reset button. There's a reset button, exactly. And this is what I think makes the Deltran battery, the Deltran battery tender brand smart lithium battery smart, is if it gets down to 30% of its charge, it shuts itself off. So it never goes to full dead. Because going to full dead is a problem for lithium batteries. Yep. And what destroys your battery? Full dead. Full dead. Full Any dead. battery. Right, exactly. So why I've been selling these and why my customers seem to be buying them is in Cleveland, where the bikes get laid up for a really long time, people are very, very nervous about their bikes, their batteries going full dead. Now, the bikes, most for the most part, are fuel injected now. So we don't need to worry about the carburetors being dirty so much. 
But with this thing, when it does put itself into a sleep cycle, there's no tattletale to the bike being in a sleep cycle other than you turn the key on and nothing happens. Okay? I want to torture test one of those. Put it and, in the freezer. Yeah, right. Um, well, there's a protocol for lithium batteries. Turn the key on and let the bike warm up. Turn your turn signal turn your, on, okay, turn the key yeah. on, turn put, the put headlight, side, I-beam on, load on, beat it. the horn, whatever. Yeah. It wakes the lithium batteries up. Beat the up. horn. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Burning a little energy. It's a load. heats itself, warm, heats itself pre-warms up. it. Yep. So if this bike, if you go out to your bike and this is dead or appears to be dead, you press this button on the SAE battery tender lead, you press that button, and after you press that button for about, I think it's 10 seconds, it then gives you the last 30% of the battery. Reserve. Which is a super double secret reserve, right? Mm -hmm. So that's great. And so, you know, he's only very mostly dead. If he was really dead, there's nothing you can do. But in this case, he's only very mostly dead. <laughs> so that's how this works. And I think it's really cool. I've tested it. So I tested it on my uh, Suzuki DRZ 400. Turn the key on, let it go dead. So what I did with it was I turned the key on, left the key on, and let this thing drain down. And it drained down to a point where when I walked past, I realized that the headlight, uh, the, the blinker was no longer on. So I was like, oh, yeah, we got a problem. And so I went over, shut the bike off, turned the bike on again, and I had no display. No lights on the display whatsoever, nothing. It was just dead. Then I did what it says. I pressed and hold the thing for 10 seconds on the on the dongle. Mm -hmm. Pressed the button on the dongle. Pressed and held it. And 10 seconds later, turned my key on. I had all my lights. I had my turn signals. I had everything. And then, just for the hell of it, I hit the start button. And the motherfucker started. Really? Yeah! How cool is that? That's awesome. So that's pretty awesome. So, battery tender. Smart lithium. That's what you get. Just like that. Super lightweight. Um, it saves... I don't know, 60% over the weight of a normal battery. Oh, yeah. Um, I, on my particular bike, I had taken out a YT, uh, a YB9, so I was technically underserving it with this. Still started like son of a bitch, no big deal. Um, there are other they make like a larger I mean, version? You can get a larger size. Oh, no, they make them all the way up to like truck size. Sure. Oh. Yeah. So. Just because we're having fun. <laughs> yeah, because while you were off finding it, I was talking about how the early LX150 Vespas used the tiny nice. little YB9 batteries. Yeah, nine, YB9s. Okay, so this, would anybody who's a, a battery aficionado um, or has worked in a shop like to guess what size case this is? Um, I'm holding in my hands a battery. It is approximately six inches side to side. It is approximately three inches front to back. And it is approximately... That is a Harley Davidson. Fourteen battery. inches tall. No, that's uh, about six inches tall. Well, it so looks like a twelve N nine dash. It is a twelve. So this is what we would normally call a YTX twelve battery in our world. That's so, I'm just saying. That's like the same yeah. size battery that's in my Sportster. This is a sport, and so for excellent comparison, Cam, this hey. is a Sportster battery. So I have these two batteries here. This is the battery for a up to twelve hundred cc Sportster. Okay. You are more than welcome to hold that. Wow. She does have a bit of gravity to her. Lead acid. That is a, a uh, absorbed glass mat battery, mm -hmm. and that is the exact battery that comes out of Ann Harley Davidson Sportster. Okay, as recommended by the manufacturer. And this is going to cost you right around ninety-nine bucks, yep. depending on where you are. This is the Shirai lithium. Now the Shirai does have its own particular charging cord that you need. 
Okay, it has its own. Is that a ba- are those balance leads? Yeah. Yes. And, any anybody lead? who's done radio control knows that yeah. lithium polymer batteries have the balance leads so exactly. you can balance the cells, mm-hmm. and it's the same plug. It, you exactly. can plug that into a, an RC charger. Yep. Exactly. And yeah. then this is what you'd have hanging on your motorcycle, yep. like that. Okay, that's what you'd have. I would charge that right off my RC charger. Okay, yep. so this is 315 cold cranking amps, which is about uh, 30 more cold cranking amps than this battery has. Okay, now I'm going to pass this around. Ooh. Right, exactly. So that is a dramatic weight savings. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy weight savings. But more importantly, we've got a, a much better system as far as maintaining itself and keeping itself happy. When you're this, is, this battery, by the way, it feels like a small electronics device. I mean, yes. like yeah, yeah, yeah. a and, cheap radio. Right, and for the sake like of that. argument, it's like the weight of a Game Boy. It is. And it's going to cost you twice. This is going to cost you exactly double what the the absorbed glass mat battery is going to cost. That's that's really the difference. That's what the price. If you take care of it, it'll probably last double. Especially especially in this climate where you go from like really humid and damn near 100 degrees to like really cold and Mm -hmm. damn near zero degrees. So I know it's a little premature, and we haven't killed one yet. But I imagine, what do you find when you open one of those open? Is it I open it up and I find a bunch of AA rechargeable lithium batteries stacked like any cordless. Well, if it's you know, lithium, I'm sure the cells are or like whatever, whatever, or whatever shape they want to be. I think be. they are. Yeah. Okay, so not pouches like a, a cell phone or something I don't something think so. Like we that. can pull up a picture or something. I, I'm sure someone's taken apart it on the internet. Okay, but everybody remember oh. that the, the, the BS-12, is what they call this, mm-hmm. um, again, this is the direct swap for... The Harley-Davidson battery. Also, Motoguzzi batteries. High-torque applications. Big V-twins. We were talking a little bit about what type of cells are in there. Are they pouch cells or are they AA batteries? I've never cracked one open. You know what? I have one that has a bad cell, so I'll try to crack it open and I'll bring it in next time I I would put money on it being like pouch cells, like big pouch. We can take bets. Exactly. Well, if it's... So, here's the thing, is if we're looking at the... Shake it, see if the, the, the AA batteries rattle around inside. If there's... Four on the balance leads. That means it's a two cell, right? That means it's a should be two cells. Three cell would be five. You weighed them. I weighed. Or no, you're right. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. That would be a three cell. So I have weighed them. This would be yeah. This is a four cell battery. Oh, you three three volts per three volts per cell. We're trying to figure Uh, out because like on on um, (laughs) RC cars that use this connector. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna Google it. You can Google it. All right, so here you go, though. But the difference between the two batteries, for anybody who's paying attention, is the lithium is three pounds exactly, and the absorbed glass mat is 10 pounds exactly. So you just save seven seven pounds off your bus. Yeah. A gallon of gas. People change their exhaust to get that seven pounds. Exactly. Yeah, that's a substantial... That's a savings. But more more important than that, it is a performance. There's There's a performance change as well, and... For the acid test, like I was, I mean, I'm not kidding when I tell you that I have used the really, really small ones, which to me are smaller than a YTX4, which is the battery you would find in like a Yamaha Vino or a 50cc scooter. I've used that to start a 400 plus cc motorcycle. And not just a 400 cc motorcycle, a 400 cc single, which starting a 400 single is a bit of a fucking demand. SR400? DR, Dr. Z. Yeah. So there's the way, you know, that's a thing and that's that's real. So interesting for people who are thinking about buying a new battery, uh, m- it might be the right time to get yourself a lithium. Uh, 
I can also tell you that you do not need to buy a specific... If you were interested in buying a battery tender anyway for your garage, the company that we're talking about in this particular instance, Deltran, now has a lithium-approved battery tender. You can use it either or. And whereas the cheapo version of their battery tender was $42 before, their lithium version of their battery tender is $42. Oh. Right. So it's not like expensive. It's not breaking the bank anymore. It I used love to be that, that they're coming to... out with their own battery line. They've been making chargers forever. Forever. Yeah. So Deltran has been a good company for chargers. We've been using their stuff for a long time. Here mm -hmm. now they have their own batteries. Price point might keep me away a little bit. Yeah. I'd be very interested in even a battery tender, a Deltran regular lead acid, you yeah. know, ADM well, battery. Well, what I can assure you is that here at the shop, Every bike that I prep, I prep using this particular thing. And the reason I like using this is this this particular device has two sets of terminals. So I have two positives and two negatives. And that's just the way they come. So all these Deltran batteries, these lithium batteries, have two sets of terminals. And why that's super handy for me or for the guy who owns a lot of motorcycles. So you get yourself maybe this smaller version or maybe the bigger version that has 250 cold cranking amps. Um, and now what you can do is you can put this in any fucking motorcycle in your garage. Yep. So if you have 10 motorcycles, but you don't want to have babysitting 10 batteries, you could do this because having two negative terminals on one side of the battery and having two positive terminals at the other battery means orientation is no longer an issue. Yep. It's also going to be smaller dimensionally, smaller size than any battery you're going to be replacing. Mm -hmm. So for me, I can leave the leads hooked up for the um, SAE connector for charging this device or maintaining it or providing accessory power to everything in my world, which is accessory powered in an SAE lead. And you can keep them on this spare terminal. So you exactly. don't have, that can just stay on there this is time. This is like having a built-in power distribution block in your bike because both of these terminals are hot. Mm -hmm. So I can make the, the bike operating on these terminals, these positive and negative here, these heavy normal terminals, and then I can have my accessory charging leads and everything else I might need to add on over here. Isolating the circuit is really, really cool. It's really clever. So this becomes more um, universal. It becomes really an easier application. One battery for all, however many of One your One battery to rule them all. And it really is this idea of like, I would love at the shop to get to a point where I don't need to have 26 different types of battery in my warehouse. Um, it's really weird when somebody says, oh, I need a Y L B 12 A B. That's a fucking code. And it means how tall the battery is, how wide the battery is, how deep, deep the battery is, and how many amps it has, and where the terminals are located on the battery, and their left and right handedness of those terminals. That's a lot of fucking code, man. That's a lot of variables. Well, shit, with this kind of a thing, I could go down to three batteries, small, medium, and large. What's How much battery do you need? Small, medium, or large? What do you got? I got a V-Twin V 1200. Cool, I'll give you a large. Well, Or the small. What's that? Or the small. Realistically, <laughs> I haven't tried starting a real big yeah. um, V-Twin off of this. We ought to try like your Road King. Interestingly enough, I do have a jump box. Mm -hmm. I have one of those... You know, uh, 
That's true. Insert name of company here. Uh, the the real nice ones. Uh, that's a smaller battery than that. That's exactly the point. It is a smaller that is, that's battery. That's a two-cell lithium yeah. battery in a plastic yeah. enclosure. In a plastic yeah. enclosure. And what I can I have the Noco Genius. So I've got the Noco Genius, which is uh, seven thousand joules and what they call one thousand amps, which we know those of us who have worked with batteries before, it's really hard to call that one thousand amps because. 1,000 amps, and I'm going to pull the data up on the screen if anyone wants to look at it. 1,000 amps is should never fit in that size box. Yeah. I mean, that is a very, very small box to hold 1,000 amps. Baby. But I own this device, and I have jump-started big V8s with it. Yeah. So it does deliver. Um, I, now, would I call it a 1,000 amp? Well, I would call it 250 for sure. Yeah. Uh, because it has done its job starting when I go to the dock in Baltimore to pick up these Japanese cars some of them haven't started for months on end and this I used to take a big heavy jump box and now I just take this uh, this uh, noco genius boost I have and it does a great job so how lithium, many how many jumps can you get on that thing they say 20 jumps yeah. so they say huh. that it can give 20 jump starts per charge what have I, you found? I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I've never let. It's like that. How many licks does it take to the middle of a Tootsie Pop? Yeah. I've gone out there and I've jumped it, like jumping twenty things would be exhausting. Yes. It would <laughs> I, be th exhausting. I think I would be worn out right. before the. But what I had done though is I had jumped one vehicle a couple of three times okay. in mm -hmm. the process of moving it around and doing yeah. everything else. But then at that point, the ready lights on the box are into the 50% range. Okay. Now, I don't know how deep its cycle can go. Yeah. Lithiums behave weirdly. Yeah. So I don't know if it could, Maybe I could see 20 jumps on a motorcycle, but yeah. not 20 jumps on a diesel truck. Well, these guys are doing a ton of advertising. They're really advertising in, in everywhere. The last six months. They're yeah. making tons of money, All clearly. Over the place. I saw billboards for them, too. I'm not yeah. sure if they're, if they're based here or if they have a distributor here, because near where I work, there's a building with a NOCO really? sign on it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what I can well, look say it up. is... Yeah. Look it up I'll on look your it machine. Up. For the amount of weight that that is, which is, you know, under Nothing. a pound, yeah, I've got one, and I do use it, and it travels with me, because even if I'm not jumping a vehicle, that son of a bitch will charge my phone 15, 20 times. You like, just does it just live in your glove compartment or where? where um, no, I take it in my backpack. So he has a fanny pack. <laughs> well, when we went to the Isle of Man, I took that with me. Yeah. Huh. So even though I have a really good quality um, brick, you know, power brick booster that I can use for my phone, I still took the Noco with me because it was like it's two pounds, but it's the right two pounds, you know. So I was able to charge anybody's phone anywhere. So your phone never dies no. like when you're trying to go down to no. <laughs> Zanesville. No. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, my phone didn't die. The signal died. Yeah. Welcome to that whole fucking Friendly Hills campsite. has no surface whatsoever. Well, don't worry about yeah. it because my phone was dead before you got there. Oh, yours died? <laughs> oh, yeah. Your phone got murdered. Oh, yeah. are they, are, oh, do they man. have any sort of offices oh, here whatsoever? Uh, no any, go. Oh. any notable... Notable moments from the... No, he's going to give us the NOCO update Oh, first. No, yeah. NOCO is headquartered in Glen Willow, Ohio. Holy nice. shit. Yeah. Wow. Glen so Willow. everybody buy NOCO. Of all crazy nice. places. Ding, ding, ding. So wow. I was I was suspicious because, like, you know how California, everything's kind of like a little bit fake. There's like an element of truth to everything, but nothing <laughs> is like what yeah. it seems. When I was out there visiting, um, I kept seeing buildings with, like, 
huge office blocks that would have neon signs in like the upper right hand corner of that mm -hmm. side of the building that would be something in one of them was like a website a car website that yeah. was like a competing car website to who I write for and I was like wow they own that whole building it's like no they rent the top two floors and then pay to have their name <laughs> they pay on the side. Side. oh that's cool Remember, if it's not a no-go, it's a no-go. It's a no-go. Oh, man, they ought to yeah. pay you for that. When they you gotta should. Hold, you got to keep that shit close to the chest. I'm going to call them and see if we can get some promotional money. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't do that. Uh, so we were talking about the Moto Guzzi oh, rally. We would do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, but that's never happened. Right, that has never happened. Nobody's ever... Know. You know what? We've made the phone call, but then people listen to the podcast. And then we're <laughs> Damn. Uh, you're like, that's a great idea. Well, Rustbuster, whoever it was, gave you money, right? Uh, Metal Rescue, until Metal they listened Rescue, to the podcast. Yeah. Metal Rescue, didn't, they didn't give us money, they gave us stuff. They what about Mill stuff. Street Brewing Company? Mill Street Brewing Company, our friends at Mill Street gave us fucking tons of t-shirts and they hooked us up they gave us some beer and stuff yeah so mill street brewing company gets a major thumbs up i um, think our best chance would be something like uh, black rifle coffee or something like that yeah. where yeah. you know like the zero fucks given type yeah. thing yeah you know and we like, do have scoot uh scoot coffee we did give them a shout out last week yeah. so scoot coffee is a local uh, a local batch now that they make huh. uh cold cold brew coffee that you can they coffee and growlers who does such a thing that's so strange. That might be the most Cleveland thing I've heard, actually. I think that's I mean Seattle, that, like, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, coffee I, and a growler. I thought you said they were local. I was like, Usually, that's... if I drink a lot of coffee, I have a growler right next. That seems like, yeah. a, very, <laughs> that seems like a very Cleveland, Ohio type it of does. thing, though, is coffee yeah, and a can, growler. So she's, yeah, she's, and she's looking for a vintage Vespa that you use, like, to promote her business and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I thought, what happened that's to that? Where on earth would she find something like that? Like the really gorgeous one. We shipped it. That copper colored Namer, somebody needed a store display. Yeah, and so it went out to and the that's store the best displays. possible that, use yeah. for that bus. in a Vietnam restaurant. That. Oh, you're kidding? No, me. no shit. It went into right. a Vietnamese restaurant. Well, that's talk perfect. about a little taste of home. Yeah, yep, that's right. Yeah, Anamer went to a Vietnamese restaurant. Go, Yay, howdy! Damn thee to hell! Go back from Wednesday. <laughs> from Wednesday, cake. So yeah, we I went down to the Motoguzzi rally last week and took all the T-shirts and jackets and extra stuff we had and Motoguzzi books. No, I did good. I sold almost $1,500 worth of merch. What the what? Wow. Yeah, and I was doing this special deal on t-shirts. The norm, Our $20 t-shirt was 10 bucks. Buy two, get one free. Nice. That's uh -huh. like a sore dick. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. And I was I was just hustling those things. And I sold a bunch of those Motoguchi jackets we had, those Dainese jackets. Oh, yeah. I sold those $700 jackets, sold it for 150 bucks. Wow. Dude wow. put it on, it looked like it was cut for him. I was like, I, you need to buy that. I wish I would know about that. Go try the last one on. Really? Where is it? It's right there. It's hanging on the back of that Vespa uh, Super Tech. It's brown, it's got stripes, and it's called the Grizzo. Grizzo. Yeah. Now, the sad fact is it'll probably fit cam no it won't fit cam it'll probably fit it would have fit cam like when we first started hanging <laughs> i don't think it would have either i was gonna say i didn't want to say i don't it. think I it would have either i didn't want to say it i didn't want to no it, i cut. it's a weird cut it is a really weird cut. it's a weird cut yeah i think if it nick i think nick should try it on or, or is it too short in the arms i'll try it on yeah, I mean, he's no, going to get into it. No, he's going to get into it. You can do it. That's a good looking jacket. That actually oh, that, looks really good on you, Cam. Yeah, that does look really good on you. Sad to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Embrace your inner... Yeah, in, yeah. It looks good. Like, uh, the only bike I, mean, I could ride take like his this picture. is picture. Wear that with a German accent. And I think you got it all going on. If you begin to say the nihilist type of perfect out, idea, it is leather. I mean, yeah, it does it does take a little uh, bit. The problem is, is that I stretched out. Oh yeah, well that's fine. Well, well, we all have we all have that. You'll yeah. read. There's you'll more of us than there used to be. 
But you know it's what? It's happen to you too. Like when you had it on, it looked great. The uh, so yeah, that's the that's the Cinderella jacket right now because oh, I no sold way. all the other I mean, ones. Nick, that's it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's really I did. way too tight. We have a couple of the ladies' jackets left, so if anybody's a lady who's listening to the podcast, stop by the shop. They're cut short and they're kind of a black denim material. They're very nice. Again, techniques there. That does look damn good on Nick. So I was ten minutes behind you coming out of Millersburg. Yeah, you were because and, and so I had the directions on my iPhone. Okay, you yeah. get that was losing power and it kept saying turn west or turn right. Yeah, let me feel. And it. I ignored it until the phone died and I got myself down to Route 40. Okay, yeah. And yeah. when I saw the sign that says Zanesville, 15 miles west. I thought, boy, I missed I that by a shitload. I had blown that one, yeah, all right. So I drove west, got into Zanesville. Yeah. But then you're just south of where you need to be. I found a, a Verizon store to try oh. to plug my phone in. Oh, okay, yeah. So I could come up with the address. Right. And 20 minutes in the Verizon store, plugged into their charging station, the guy says, I think your phone's battery is dead. Oh, and there's Charlie shit. who replaces batteries, but he doesn't work on Saturday. Fuck. All right, fuck this. Yeah. So yeah. I got back on uh, on seventy, went west. Yeah. To yeah. two seventy one, but I thought, hey, I think Ohio State's playing. Do I want to oh. cut through? Yeah. Seventy one two seventy one. Right. When all these idiots are coming out of Columbus. That's right. So I cut through Route thirty seven, got yeah. out to Sunbury, where there's the F D Faro Harley Davidson yes. dealership. Exactly. I was going to stop in there. there. Oh, no. A.D. Farrow, one of the oldest Harley-Davidson dealerships in the state of Ohio, for sure. I yeah. walked in there, I asked the kid in the parts department, hey, do you have a uh, battery tender USB plug? Oh. He says, yeah, I think we got one of those. So he goes over and finds it, hands it to me. I talked to the other guy at the parts department. How much long are you guys here today? The kid looks at his computer and says, one minute. <gasps> Jesus Christmas! So I made it out. I made it in the door with two minutes to spare. Wow! Got the thing, plugged the fucker in. I had a cord. Yeah. And by the time I got up to Grandpa's Cheese Barn, it was up. My phone was working. Yeah. Nice. That Ad Farrow uh, Company is America's oldest Harley dealership, established in 1912. Wow! And they're still charging 1912 prices. There you go. No, See? Not, no, no. I mean, it's, they're a proper. Well, they offer proper. like a lifetime warranty on their bikes, don't they? Yeah, it's so a warranty forever. So yeah. they're, they, wow. what their system is, is they have a forever warranty on their motorcycle. Now and that makes me almost want to buy a brand new Harley Davidson. I don't know if I. Am, that's what we call a segue. In I was going to say. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's going to make me want to buy a Harley Davidson. <laughs> no, thank you. Yep. But Can yeah. I make a comment about the Christmas drink of choice this evening? Yeah, what is your drink? You tell us what it can. is, and I'll tell you what I think of it. And then... So that's a that's a, a, a beer style called a smoked sour from uh, the Hansa Brewing Company at 28th and uh, okay. Lorraine in Greater Cleveland, Ohio. All right. <laughs> what do you think of it, John? That tastes like my mouth after I've thrown up. <laughs> oh, God. Now, <laughs> sour beers are an acquired taste, and... Many of us. So is uh, vomit. Pardon yes, me? this is true. So sour tastes vomit. like a sour stomach, right? Well, yeah. and and right. it's so there's a lot of different ways to, to make uh, sours. They also do a blueberry sour. Yes, I um, had that. But yeah. this is a smoked sour, which is they call their Vincig, and I've just acquired a taste for it over really? the years. And uh, wow! So I'll uh, I'll taste their Vincig if, if anybody would like to give it a try. It's here. 
It won't hurt. It won't hurt you. It's really not that awful, and I'm sure if you drink it, and uh, the blueberry actually, like a little bit of sweet to that might yeah. make it right. Yeah, Can't you know, like right. a sour patch kind of thing, like a little <laughs> bit, a mm-hmm. little bit of sour, a little bit of sweet would help. But it's mostly just uh, yeah, it's uh, very. Uh, it smells kind of like an armpit. Yeah, yeah. smoky sours a. It has a bowel flavor to me. <laughs> this but smells like day it. three of the RV at Vintage Days. Too. <laughs> day three at the RV. Okay, so here, if you guys would like to know, if you guys would like to know what, how uh, AD Faro does this lifetime warranty, would you guys be interested? Yeah, how yeah they I would pull love this to hear that. They charge you all the way all up front. Really? I hope I never drink that again. Okay. <laughs> all right. So here's the way it works. Okay, guys, there are rules. Okay. First of all, the way they advertise it is is just that if you purchase any Harley Davidson motorcycle from AD Faro. They will pay for the repairs to the powertrain components of your motorcycle for as long as you own it at absolutely no cost to you. That's the big letters. I'm going to get you to the medium sized letters now. Yeah. The medium sized letters say simply follow the recommended maintenance schedule at our dealership. Ooh. Oh. That hurts. Or a pre-authorized facility of your choice. All right. Now, hold on. Pre-authorized means pre-authorized by A.D. Farrow. So Uh at the point of sale, you have to get that out. Basically, you You have have to get get them to tell you. That it's okay. Who are the pre-authorized. Okay. Right. Exactly. Right. Now, what's the small letters? Hold on. I'm going to bet that Cleveland Moto is not one of those dealers. Additionally, if honestly, you, with how they're trying to sell bikes now, if you hem and haw hard enough, I'm sure. And not just, and I'm not. That's not throwing eighty fair. I want to talk about that too. Harley Davidson. Additionally, if you ever have a powertrain failure that exceeds your motorcycle's value, the Warranty Forever program will pay you full NADA retail value of your motorcycle at the time of failure, <laughs> and you, you keep your, your motorcycle. Huh? That's Whoa. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Wow. I mean, anybody would, you know, well, you can't. That's your, da- that's your down payment. I'm not going to pay more new. to fix your bike than what buying you that same bike would cost. So here, here's how much your bike is worth in cash Absolutely. and keep your fucked up bike. Now, here's what I will warn you about this is NADA has restructured the way they do their values. So NADA now has two values. They have what's called low retail and average retail or high retail. Okay. So an AD Ferro retail, and I'm sure AD Ferro is <laughs> going to use low retail, right. of course, because your bike is broken. It's mm-hmm. not in a good condition, there you go. right? So it would get the lowest possible retail. Us, us Ohioans call that summer, call that April pricing and October right. pricing. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Now here's the interesting thing. So does that work if I buy a used motorcycle? That was my question. Yes, it no does. Shit. At AD Ferro, if you buy a used motorcycle from them and you maintain it up to Harley Davidson standards at AD Faro. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're buying your loyalty here, folks. In case you're wondering, that means every oil change had better be done at AD Faro's. Okay? Every belt change. You better you'd better be up to the maintenance schedule of your motorcycle. And don't skip anything. Don't right? go one mile past their fifteen thousand mile like <laughs> or it don't, has to be done on right. time by them. Of course. Yep. With Official Honda, or excuse me, Harley Davidson Park. Harley Davidson Park. Of course it does. Or Honda Park. Here's a pro tip: 
Disconnect your speedometer drive <laughs> and change your own oil. Honestly, on a Harley Ram Davidson, oil. that will probably work. It will. But here's what I will tell you about this. So that's a big thing. Now, you say pre-owned. That's within five model years of the current year. So that means the bike would have to be a 2014 or newer. Okay, so that's kind of a, getting to be in a yeah. relatively new bike year. And we're going to talk about that. because I still consider that a brand new I do. I totally do. Yeah. Right? And it's, you know, it's an example 2014 to the current year of 2019. Okay, now here's where it comes from. How does AD Faro do this? How do you think it is that they can do this? Because they're not doing this, folks. Friends, if you listen to the podcast, I'm going to tell you. For every bait, there will be a switch. And this is where it comes in. AD Faro is not providing this amazing service to you. No, this is from the American Bankers of Florida. Florida man. ABF. An AM Best A-rated insurance company with first dollar coverage. The best coverage you can get. I don't even know what first dollar coverage means. I don't know that that's the best you can get. As far as I'm concerned... Maybe it's the best first dollar coverage you can get. It could be. They wouldn't be lying. The Assurant has over $25 billion in assets and over 13,000 employees. We're talking about the American Bankers of Florida. It has over 13,000 employees. Now more than ever, you can confidently browse and buy at A.D. Farrow Company, Harley-Davidson, family of dealerships. What the fuck? A family? There's more? <laughs> oh, there's a bunch of A.D. Farrows. Well, where's the Wait, so yeah, which A.D. Farrow is the oldest Harley dealer in the country? Well, that would be the one that's not there anymore. <laughs> so it turns out that they did close the, um, the original A.D. Farrow, which was in Sandusky, Ohio. And that about That's hilarious. six or seven years ago, I believe that one got their doors closed. But so the remaining That's like the one that I would do anything in my power to keep open just for the sake of Yeah, it didn't work out for riding me. to Sandusky. Uh, so there's I one no in Columbus clue. on Broad Street. There's the one you went to in Sunbury. Uh, and there's one in Patascala. So there's Where the well, fuck is Patascala? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> It has a 740 area code, so okay. it's down there. No right? offense to any of our listeners no, that's fine. in Pataskala. Right. I just have no, I've just lived in Ohio all my life, and right. I'm still finding new and exciting things well, about Ohio. Ohio's a, a oh, wow. It's the heart of it all. You need to get out a little bit. Yeah. No so shit. So that's it. So that big, that big boilerplate lifetime powertrain warranty is apparently a product that one can purchase. It's an insurance, man. Mm -hmm. Look, when you buy your motorcycle, what A.D. Faro is doing is A.D. Faro, one of the 57 sheets of paper that you're going to sign when you buy a motorcycle at a dealership, is going to be this Warranty Forever program, which will be a contract through American Bankers of Florida. Does the warranty cost extra money? Does an extra... $100 or $500? I'm going to bet you that... $1,000? You're paying for it somewhere. Exactly. Right. Thank you very but much. But there's no... Yeah. It won't be a line item on your invoice, but I'll or, bet you it'll be... it won't be... be an extra after you buy the unit. Right. Hmm. No, I'm going to tell you that the way I would write this program is it would just be... It's value added. You just unquote. roll it in? Yeah, because yeah. the way Harley-Davidson It would be it... this $3,400 motorcycle. I mean, $3,900 motorcycle. Right. And gotcha. that would just be it. And it wouldn't even be there. It would be part of the MSRP. It wouldn't even be an add-on because everyone hates add-ons, and we're going to talk about well, that too. So the heart, like yeah. uh, the way Harley Davidson does it is that there's really, with very very few exceptions, mm -hmm. 
it's like uh, if you ever read the book Fight Club, you know how they tell you if you hear the blue Danny Waltz yeah. in a building, get right. the hell out because there's something there. wrong. You're about if to you go in a Harley dealership and they're discounting the, the, the bikes on the floor, right. that's a problem. Because that's not something Harley Davidson does as a general rule. They right. do not discount new bikes. So when I walked into a Harley Davidson dealership a month ago and I got pounced on by three guys... Sentence I don't like to utter very right. often. It's, uh, right. And they're telling me that they'll give me, like... I've always complained that I love the Sportster Roadster. Right. And if the Sportster Roadster was twelve grand out the door, I would totally buy one. Well, you know what? I have to come out and say I'm a complete liar. Because they were telling me I could get a Sportster Roadster for, like, eleven five out the door. Yeah. And I didn't do it. Right. But that was one of those moments where I was like, it was a Sunday, and I'm like, well, Monday, I'm sure I'm going to have some emails in my inbox of press releases and other things and links to other stories that I'm going to have to write for HD forums. And absolutely. I was absolutely right. Like, there's there's something wrong there. So I think the way they probably do it is AD Pharaohs looks at it as, the way we get them to buy at AD Pharaoh instead of however many dealerships are within a two-hour radius of yeah. us, right? right. How, I, how we get them to come to Sunbury, Ohio, is mm -hmm. say, well, hey, listen, We'll give you, you know, as long as you maintain the bike with us. And we have the same name as the oldest Harley-Davidson dealership in America. Right. Yeah. Right? Uh, that is yeah, wild. as long as you buy the bike from us or one of our three established dealers. Yeah, because with very few exceptions, that's the only thing they can do to add value. It's a door kicker because when we started talking about this, John immediately said, isn't that the, isn't that the company that does the lifetime warranty? So I was clearly, it was oh, you said it right. Yeah. So clearly, I mean, this is a thing. Well, that and you pay for it up front, is what I said. Well, of course. So one way or another, yeah. You're not getting anything. But for they're not charging ever. you any more for the bike, but they're right. throwing that in to try to discern themselves yep. from other dealerships because they can't discount the bikes. Whereas, like with Suzuki, and they're not part of the Ohio Motorcycle Group, by the way. Whoa. So Ad Faro has three stores. But the Ohio Motorcycle Group, which is Adventure Harley-Davidson, Lake Erie Harley-Davidson, Mad River Harley-Davidson, Rock and Roll Harley-Davidson, and Rubber City Harley-Davidson, that is the conglomerate of the Ohio Motorcycle Group. And this is what's turned, this is what our industry has turned into, folks, is it's not just the roadside megastore, it's the chain of roadside megastores. That's that, the only, I assume that's the only way you can survive, right? Well, and that's the that is the problem in our industry At that in end this end. industry right here. It's a really really tough thing when we have established that there is not a lot of margin on the front end, so we better F and I the fuck out of you, which F and I is everything that isn't the motorcycle, mm -hmm. right? Um, that is a really really big thing about why people do not like buying a new motorcycle. Yeah, why they I don't, don't like buying a new car, why they don't like buying a new motorcycle. It's a confrontational experience. I don't want to read too far ahead, yeah. but part of the part of the deal when I bought my Z125, I financed yeah. it, because right. I already bought a bike this year, is that um, there's a prepayment penalty if I pay it off before 12 months, because they mm -hmm. want to get wow. at least some of the, and I've never right. dealt with anything before. Right. I've never financed anything where there's right. a prepayment penalty. Prepayment penalty is and a I, way of saying, we are guaranteed to make our money off of your Yeah, loan. we're guaranteed yeah, to right. make a couple hundred bucks off of your financing, yep. which I got a good enough deal on the bike mm -hmm. that I was okay with it. Yeah. But I've never experienced that before where, because like I'm a freelancer, so there's right. like the whole feast and famine. So it's like if I get a check at some point for, you know, like a four-figure check sure. from something that gets published in print, which is very rare for me, I might get the idea, like a wild hair across my ass that, Absolutely. hey, it's, you know, it's January. There's nothing I can do with the bike right now. I'm going to pay it off. And I can't do that 
for at least 12 months. You are yeah. going to be paying, making payments. You're going to be paying interest for at least for at 12, least 12 months. months. And that's a way that dealers can make sure that they're getting that spiff. They're getting mm -hmm. that, they're getting some sort of F&I there because of whatever well, you're financing. So can you pay of, almost all of it off? Yeah, I mean, I can pay. So I've, I've done the math of like yeah. exactly how. Pay almost all But the of thing it is, off. is that the way amortization works right. on a loan, it doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. to go. Exactly. It makes just as much sense to at least on this small amount of money, because mm -hmm. when I bought the Z125, it was so cheap. I bought it. Be I bought a brand new one, mm -hmm. and bought new plastics for it because it was the same price as buying a 2017 in green, like I wanted. Okay, yeah. That somebody might have. It was a. It was a difference of a couple hundred dollars, right? Right. Of um, you know, a difference of I get to be the guy that breaks it in. I get to be the guy that sends away for the oil analysis. I, it was like I think by the time <laughs> I pay like interest and everything, it'll be a sub five hundred dollars swing between buying it, going to auctions with you and buying yep. a used one versus the new one that mm -hmm. I got. And considering I bought it at one of those mega stores, I still don't know how the fuck that happened. Because every review of the dealership I bought this right. bike at is like, oh, they're overpriced. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, but okay. that's the thing is that is always going to be the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I mean, mm -hmm. the the the, pierce, the person who's pissed off is always going to have something to say. Yeah. I feel I feel like I should go give them a review because of the good experience. And I you had. should. I totally yeah. agree. And then today I went up to buy parts because I bought the plastics and they gave me twenty percent off, which they're only supposed to do the day you buy the bike. But I said I'll be back in a couple weeks to buy the plastics. Right. And. Uh, they're like, oh, did you ride your bike up here? Do you want like a... And this is so small and not even worth mentioning, but it is because not everybody does it. They're, he's like, oh, you rode your bike up here. He's like, can I get you like a water or a soda or anything? I'm like, yeah, a bottle of water would be great. And I expect him to get me like some little, you know, right. out of a 24-pack. No, sure. he walks over to the machine oh. and punches in something and yeah. gets me like the 20-ounce that you pay a buck seventy-nine huh. for at the gas station. Wow. There's like... Not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. It but wasn't smart water. It, it was, no. <laughs> it wasn't like the Voss water or like the Fiji. I mean, maybe if I would have bought like a 2019 model mm. or a 2020, I would have gotten the Fiji. But no, it was just like a 20-ounce Aquafina bottle of water like you would buy out of a machine. And I, it's like little stuff like that that I didn't expect that, that yeah. absolutely Still, makes a difference. Still, you messed up. At the old shop, we had that Pepsi machine. You I know. We had the Pepsi machine. We, we had running for, for a quarter. Cents a piece. Yeah. I actually know somebody with like a mid-late 70s vintage Pepsi machine that's been trying to sell it for 20 years. Hey, I, I want no part of that. But check out what's on the screen right now. Um, this, is a, this is a current dealership. This is a local dealership. Man. This is a multi-line <laughs> dealership. And we were talking about... If you're not certain that modern dealerships are in trouble, this is wow. new inventory. This is brand new, never wow. been titled, available <clears throat> inventory. Okay? Now, we're going to see a 2015 Suzuki Boulevard M50. Okay? That's the bike mm -hmm. that used to be called an 800 Volusia. And it's fuel injected now. Um, this bike was originally MSRP'd at $85.99. Yeah. At $85.99. And they're selling it at sixty four ninety nine. So they're losing twenty one hundred dollars on this bike. So I bought my bike at this dealership, mm -hmm. which shall remain nameless. Yeah. And it was a you know, you gotta imagine on a hundred and twenty five CC bike there's right. not a lot of margin and right. I got almost exactly to the penny, twenty five percent off. Right. Yeah. Because they were apparently very bullish on twenty eighteen models mm -hmm. and they had they had five of them. They're when I all mine. So everybody's in bad shape. Now, what's interesting is I do not have 
I have one remaining leftover 2019 Vespa. So I'm sold out of Vespas, right? It, we're still in 2019, yeah. and so I every, have only one left. So everything you've got is 2020. Exactly. That's fantastic. I have one 19 that isn't sold. Well, uh, but I'm careful about the way I order. Yeah, okay? right. And I have these, these dealerships. Remember that your dealership is being told by their management, and no, not by their management, by their manufacturer distributor, how many they have to have in the building. They don't get to pick how many they have to have in the building. They get told how many they have to have in the building, and that's what fucking kills dealerships, is they, are ta they have that selection or that decision taken away from them. And this is a big, big deal. So when we're seeing a dealership that still has 2016s on their floor, how many fucking bikes were they forced to take? Yeah, where is their warehouse, and how full is that? Where I'm too imagining, full. I'm too imagining full. the uh, Raiders of the Lost Super Ark duper and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> okay. Because when you're looking at these motorcycles, we talk about the venerable DR650. Yep, yep. Why would anybody buy a modern DR650 for $64.99 when the same motorcycle's been produced for over 20 years? If you buy a 20-year-old DR650, you're buying the exact same motorcycle, carburetor and all, as a 2017 DR650. So the reason these dealerships are in distress is there isn't a lot of new, exciting, fashionable, cool, kick-ass, i got to have this year's latest model to drag me into the dealership. Even I'm shopping this company against Craigslist or eBay or Facebook Marketplace or Kijiji. That's yeah. exactly it. And even a little bit further down, there was a DR200S for right. like $3,000, which seems like a really good deal. But the DR200S is bolt for bolt the same as my 1987 SP200 that I had. Excellent. And I paid $200 for that. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, so I that's a 40 fucking year it old is motorcycle. the same yeah. motorcycle i can so years, the tw 200 right? is like a 46 4700 yeah. mm -hmm. motorcycle yeah. msrp brand new right and that bike has had exactly two changes in its life and one of them was removing the kickstart and the other one was adding a disc brake which i think happened when i was still in middle school so mm -hmm. that is a great example like what about suzuki is dragging you into the dealership when their dr 200 s is the same motorcycle they were selling in 1987 and selling it at forty four ninety nine, and you're like, yeah, but I can totally get a scream and deal and buy this brand new motorcycle for thirty six ninety nine. Which it does look like a good deal. Except we know that when we go into that dealership, first of all, you're only going to get the thirty six ninety nine if you sign up for Suzuki pricing. Right. Because at this particular dealership, a couple of years ago, they advertised DR six fifties for the low low price of I think it was. Thirty nine ninety nine to get rid of a bunch of leftover DR six fifties they had. Damn. Okay, or forty. It was forty nine ninety nine. So what I had did is I called them up and I said, just so we understand each other, if I show up with forty nine ninety nine plus tax, you're going to sell me the motorcycle that you have represented in the newspaper in cash. In cash. And they said, well, you're only going to get the forty nine ninety nine price if you for qualified buyers. And I said, well, I'm a qualified buyer. I have cash. <laughs> and they said, well, no, you're only going to be a qualified buyer if you participate in Suzuki's financing, which is exactly what Cam was talking about, yeah, which guarantees them back end on writing you the loan. So they're going to get back end on that loan. The finance company is going to spiff them out like 400 bucks or whatever for selling that bike. And now when they get spiffed out 400 bucks or 500 bucks on that loan they're writing, well, then they can do it, like sell the bike, as indicated here, a 64.99 bike for only 51.99.
But the more important question you should ask yourself is why does any dealership still have 2016 and 2017 inventory sitting on their floors? Yeah. Isn't Suzuki the brand that just didn't import bikes besides special order for an entire model mm -hmm. year? Yeah. They because took the, the market, it was, what was it, 2010? They took a timeout. Yeah, yeah. they literally huh. took a timeout. And that's that's not right. talking down on Suzuki. That's no. talking down on the motorcycle market. But if you look at this like Suzuki DRZ125L, that retail on that bike is thirty-two forty-nine. They're selling it for three grand even. That's not that bad of a hit, right? Mm -mm, that's right. only a two hundred and fifty dollars discount on a twenty eighteen, right? But my argument is, when they've got twenty sixteens and shit in their fucking inventory, that's terrifying. Um, look at that V-Strom. You can save like what is that three thousand? Seven hundred dollars. GSXR too, right? Yeah. So that's thirty-seven hundred dollars oh off, yeah. right? So that's a twenty eighteen. That GSXR thirty-five hundred GS off a Jixer. That's an entire a other motorcycle. Two thousand nineteen. Right. The right? difference in price between MSRP and right. that is what is less than I would pay on my bike if I made every payment on time right. and let it run through the whole. This should be. They should a, just give you a, a Z1. Or a, yeah, they should just charge you MSRP and <laughs> give you a van van or something. This should, if you are a motorcycle dealership, this should terrify you, because it is the massive devaluing of a shop's inventory. Yeah, and like what what makes that bike? There's two ways worth to look less. at it. Yeah, what makes it worth less, or what made it worth that much in the first place? It's the glass half empty, right. glass half full thing, mm -hmm. right? Because there's somebody out there, I'm sure, who in 2018 bought a GSX 250R and financed it and right. bought an extended warranty at $4,499. And now they go on the website and go, well, a year later, it's $3699. Right. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with the bike. Right. I mean, the worst thing Still that I had to do with yeah, my Z125 was Talking like to people who bought their houses just prior to 2005. Thank That's you. That's right. Exactly. Um, like my Z125 was covered in dust. Yeah. Because it was a twenty, uh, it was a March twenty eighteen build, so it'd probably been sitting there since yeah. like maybe June. It'd been sitting there a little over a year, probably mm -hmm. about fourteen months. And you know what? What happened to my bike besides it being a different color than the brand new ones you can get that made it worth Christ twenty five percent less? Right. Go ahead, Chris. So, do you think that most dealers have the same inventory glut? Yeah. Yeah, the glut of inventory. So this is not just hurting one dealership. It's hurting everybody. It's hurting everybody. Should we look at, like, the other big dealership in our area? Well, you can't. Go ahead. The one but, that's, like, our right. estate and a number? Right. Well, it's fine. I mean, what I can tell you is I went down, you know, I, I talked routinely to our local Harley-Davidson guys. And, yeah, they have a absolute glut of inventory. They have more inventory than they have buyers for. But going back as far as 16s? And um, not, this is an extreme case. Okay. So this is an extreme case. Suzuki has got... Suzuki has been notorious for this bad behavior to their dealers. Suzuki will never, ever hold a price on anything. In fact, they tell their dealers, if you want to fuck your buddy dealer over... We're not going to get in your way. I was going to bring that up okay? earlier. So they have no map pricing. They have no honor among thieves whatsoever. Suzuki dealers have the right to sell that inventory to you at any price they want, depending on how aggressive their F&I their program is. Go ahead. So you had said that, Sorry. for instance, the Harley dealer doesn't have 16s and 17s. Would they, would they really have 
17s or 18s on their lot now at the end of 19 going into 20, I would you think? certainly hope not. I mean, I no, would no, really or, absolutely no, with, with or Harley. Does the, or, wait a minute. Or does the, the home office take them back? No, they don't. They don't take them back. And they will. So they will pick up old inventory, but you're going to lose 15 to 20%, which is what the profit margin you would have made. So you have to be very careful about returning inventory to your manufacturer. But at least it's off your books. It's, it's off, off your, your books. Yeah, you're not your paying line. juice on it. And yeah. it can be worth losing the 15% restocking fee or 20% restocking fee to not pay juice because juice can be super expensive after eight months or 12 it months. Just Do you lose debt, allocations? Though. What's that? Do you lose allocations? Oh, absolutely. You don't make your numbers. You don't qualify for bonuses. Okay. Well, I just mean in terms of like, you know, I only bought 18 soft tails mm -hmm. and there's a hot new soft tail coming out and I really, really want to order 20 of these soft tails. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, you can't because you only sold 18 last year. Sure. Absolutely. And that is a big, and if you look, I'm going to pull this up just to give you an idea. So even of, as, as aggressive as like the, the Harley dealership was being by me, and it's a pretty big Harley dealership, yeah. um, the oldest thing they had was 2019. Yeah. And there was nothing yeah, in the there. Okay. Yeah, and the, there wasn't anything on the floor that I recognized. You mean to tell me, if you call up the manufacturer and say, I'd like 100 bikes, yep. they won't send them to you? No. No. No, they won't. Uh there'll be a problem uh, hopefully that hopefully that is never allowed to happen but what really will happen is if you find yourself in a situation where you have an extra 30 units on your floor and you can't sell them yeah. you're going to contact the manufacturer you're going to let them know that you've got a serious fucking situation on your hands and you're going to have to get this inventory picked up or they're going to have to give you some kind of a promotion to help you offset the inventory or whatever <laughs> But you're if you're you're blown, but you're underwater at that point. You're fucked. <clears throat> so uh, what will happen is usually you will have to weigh your options. Those units are either going to go to auction, or they're going to go back to the manufacturer. The manufacturer will then try to redistribute them to other dealers. And at that point, the cost of moving units around, depending on the units, the cost of moving them around can be an issue too, because they're picking them up, they're recreating them, they're moving them to dealer A, B, C, or D. So there is a time in every dealership when you get to third or fourth quarter where there's a bunch of inventory that's stale and that will usually be a promotion that will be offered to the dealers out there that says, hey, anybody who buys, any dealership who buys five of these 2019s, we're using this year as an example, if you buy five of these 2019s, open boxes or whatever, we're going to give you free shipping on the unit. We're going to give you an extra six months of flooring. Free flooring is interest-free flooring for these bikes. So you can put these six bikes in your shop, but you have to order six of them. You have to take six or 10 or 12 or 20 or whatever it is, depending on the size of the company you're working with. They'll give these bikes to you. They'll put them on your flooring at 0% interest. Now, the only people that are going to be available to participate in these offers and promotions are dealerships who have hit their numbers. So dealerships who have the reason that you hit your numbers, the reason you take it in the ass selling a bike now and then is to keep your numbers where they should be so that you are on the program. Because if you return bikes, you're off the program. If you don't order enough bikes, you're off the program. And once you're off the program, you lose access to all these crazy good deals. So when the market is soft, yep. and we've talked about this on yep. the podcast numerous times, yep. going back years, uh, how did these these dealerships in a soft market mm -hmm. continue to be able to make their numbers year in and year out right. and and still pay their mechanics and some of them don't make their numbers some of them consistently don't make their numbers and they know they're gonna have too many bikes and they're just gonna eat it they're just gonna take it <laughs> in the ass 
and Can they're I... going to distribute those bikes. They're going to pay for those bikes. They're going to pay them off of their flooring, and they're going to sell them at wholesale, and they're going to make lose 10 or 15 or 20% on each of those bikes they're going to sell at wholesale. Look at how many dealerships we lost. I mean, exactly. there's a lot. Of... We've the... lost about 70% of the dealerships we had 15 years ago. So we're down huge. But but yeah. the the old saw that you're losing on every sale, but you're you make, it, make up it up on margin right. or volume, right. it just doesn't work because at some point, yep. when your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. That's exactly you're just losing right. more and more money. There was a there was a big issue in um, actually like about an hour outside of Milwaukee of all places with mm -hmm. a Harley dealership. It was actually two Harley dealerships yeah. where they were so underwater on stuff mm -hmm. that. Um, like the court case is still ongoing, it will so I can't get certain. you to find out how underwater lending institutions will allow your dealership, your Harley dealership, yeah. your Indian dealership. The Indian dealerships here, this Midwest region, we had a family of Indian dealerships that was six dealerships strong. They were beautiful. They were, oh, look at the floor is gorgeous. The, the, the wall coverings are beautiful. The espresso machine is of the highest caliber. The couches are actual Mukau leather. This is a fantastic buying experience. And they had a problem staying in business because people said, they went in, they were like, wow, the wall coverings are really nice. The art is beautiful. The fixtures are the finest mahogany. The espresso machine is top notch. Clearly, I'm getting a dick in my ass. Hmm? I'm getting out of here. I'm not going to buy a bike from this guy. I'm sure that network of dealers And they went and bought work. a bike from the local guy who was the shitty ceiling tiles I have, the shitty polished floor that I have, the no espresso machine, because they felt like that guy wasn't intentionally fucking them over. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. It doesn't matter. Only one of the two dealerships is still open. The other one went into a level of debt of truly government proportions. A level of debt that was extended and refinanced and extended and refinanced and more money added to it. Because remember, when you get to a certain level of debt, you can say the words, well, if I only had another $23 million, I could pay you back within five years. And the banker say says, figures. oh, really? The bank says, Ugh. will that $23 million be at 14%? And you go, sure. And if your buildings are worth $18 million, the bank goes, I'll be happy to write you that check. Because somebody told me I was too big to fail once. And they do. And they write the check. And these guys get, these guys who are in the whole millions get more millions from the same bank that, whose millions they lost. Because the buildings and everything that they, quote, own will be salvageable. They'll be sellable. But our Indian dealership is still sitting empty. At some point it becomes yeah. a Ponzi scam. It's a Ponzi just, scam. You're, you're, it look is. at all this. I mean, look how awesome all this is. You won't lend me a little more money to keep right. it? I mean, look how successful right. we are. That's all it is. Because we have nice shit. It's high finance. <laughs> yeah. And where it becomes a problem is the, mar the housing market bubbled, boomed, and blew up, and, and it took down a lot of motherfuckers. And this is kind of the same thing. The emperor does, in fact, have no clothes. So in this case, this is that company we just talked about earlier with three locations. And here is one of 26 bikes that they have at this location that are all new. These are titled as new. Well, this These one are says not used. used. Scroll this one away. Says Hold used, on, guys. I'm going to tell you real new. quick. When you get into this stuff, see where the miles are around there? Yeah. Okay. This condition is used so that they can get this bike away from their warranty load, their 
inventory load, they took this bike off their books. They did not sell this bike to somebody who put 13 miles on it and brought it back. Okay? They've got 28 bikes on their sheet that are all that way. There is no rash of people buying Harley Davidsons for $17,495 and bringing them back in 13 miles. This is a great trick that dealers do so that they don't have to honor this motorcycle's warranty anymore. Hmm. Okay? This is a used motorcycle. Now, their Hokey Finoki lifetime warranty thing, that's a different thing. We talked about that earlier. That's an insurance policy. The company 84 at Faro has nothing on the line. If that motor blows up in that bike, they bring it back in. 80 Faro is not writing a check. It's that Florida insurance company's writing a check. So it's no skin off the nose of 80 Faro. In fact, 80 Faro probably gets a nice kickback every time they sell one of those policies. So it's probably good for them to even sell that policy. It's a win-win. But this motorcycle is no more used than I am. I mean, this, I mean, this, is, this motorcycle is clearly a wow. brand new piece of inventory. <laughs> In so much as the bike that's to your immediate left, Chris, is a brand new piece of inventory. It has never been titled, right? Yet it has 700, 900 miles on it. It's the opposite of that situation. They titled that bike. They activated the warranty on that bike. So they don't have to look forward at that bike. And they no longer have to count it against their new inventory. They sold that bike to themselves to count one more towards their number of sales they have to meet to stay on the program. If you don't sell 100 bikes on the program, you aren't gonna be on the program anymore. So if you've got, if you've only made 78 sales that year, guess who's gonna buy those 22 bikes? You are. And then you'll sell them as this. And what are they doing? It's a retail price of 18,995. Yeah. And they're selling it for seventeen four ninety five. So you take a fifteen hundred dollar hit on each bike, so you Bingo! can stay on the program, get a great deal when you buy your bikes for next year. Exactly. So you can stay on program and get all the benefits of being a program dealer. And this is why, when we talk about these things, I want to know what would bring you into the dealership to make you buy a new bike. Because the real problem right now of everybody I talk to in my motorcycle industry council group, we're all saying the same exact thing. We don't have new motorcycle buyers. The people who come in who are sitting on and pretending to buy new motorcycles are buying, are leaving and going out and buying something else. Mm -hmm. Now that has not affected us so much in the Vespa market because the Vespa market is a lower price, entry point price. However, boy, it is a big fucking problem in the motorcycle market. I would like, I was going to. Yeah. Piggyback on what you were saying too with the the lower price market because like the whole reason I bought a brand new Z125 mm, it's cheap. is yeah there's two different things there's number one it's a cheap bike so right. I'm assuming that people that are buying them new yeah you're you're kind of rolling the dice on whether this person took care of the bike properly oh, or not yeah. because it was cheap in the first place yeah. and the other thing is that it's cheap enough it's it's not a huge difference in price between new and used mm -hmm. and it's um. The that financing's cheap enough. There's, there's a lot of bikes where it, it's stupid to go buy a used one when you can go buy a new one for so cheap. Yeah, DR exactly. six fifty for example is like fifty six hundred dollars, brand new. Yeah, but it like you in, go out there, you can't find a used one for four grand or less. But in my, so but spend in, a little bit more money, you get a brand new bike, and you know what I mean, like yeah, yeah. like in my case, it was twenty four hundred dollars for a used sub one thousand mile Z one twenty five, which most of them are sub one thousand miles. Sure. Versus getting one that's a model year newer. 
with the full warranty and everything else for twenty eight fifty on the original owner, and I've never had a new bike before. So I think in that situation, what was that number real? Uh, what did you pay? Twenty eight fifty out the door. Yeah. So yeah. What, oh yeah, four hundred bucks more. Right. Yeah. So four hundred bucks more, and by the time you factor in what I'm going to pay on financing, maybe five hundred bucks more, five or six hundred bucks right. more. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at, and that was twenty four hundred was like the absolute. I need to sell this today so I can go buy crack price. Most of them are being priced at like twenty six hundred because the bike retails for three thousand new. Well, that was my text about the dime bag bikes, where yeah. there's these bikes that are out there. They've been out there forever. They're the yep. same price. They're the same bike, and it's been the same thing forever. Yeah. The price never changes. The quantity never changes. So, like the sm the small bikes, like the Grom and the Z125 and the Monkey, they're new enough and they're cheap enough that it kind of makes sense to buy new. And like electric bikes, kind of makes sense to buy new because yeah. the technology ch gets exponentially better well, and almost that, every that was, year. That was my whole. Thinking about it, w would I buy a new bike, and what would it have to be? Have and to it, be it would have to bike. be a, a zero. Cause yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. Anything else, I can get used and not take the hit on depreciation. Yeah. And the other thing about buying a used electric bike is that, well, did this person take care of it? Did they run the batteries down well, all the way? Did they wear that out? So yeah. There's that level of concern too. And then the third thing that I could think of was, if you're a Harley person and you want a soft tail and you want one of the new soft tails, and there's only been two model years, two mm -hmm. and a half, three model years of the new soft tails, which are fucking fantastic compared to the old soft tails, which were good bikes, but these are just like, the new soft tails are the kind of bikes where like you let a non-Harley person ride it, and they're like, oh, this is pretty good for a Harley. They're like, oh, this is a damn good motorcycle. In general. Full stop. So it's like those are the only three situations I can think of, but as you showed us with that 80 Pharaoh, that is a yeah. brand new Milwaukee 8, yeah, that's a brand new bike. That's a brand new bike. That's, that's the new, new soft tail frame. Yep. That's the new engine, and they had to buy it themselves apparently because yeah. nobody was. Oh, there's. Buy it. I mean, there's a there's a, a flock of them. I we can I can just I can select any one of the families that you want to look into. Pick your color, order size, because they do have tons of them out there. White walls or no white walls, chrome, no chrome. That's true. It's all right? out there, and that's I mean that's a big thing. So uh, I do want to pull this up because this is a thing we talked about. What will drag you into the dealership? Well. Ducati thinks that will drag what will drag you into the inter the dealership is um, radar cruise control. Oh boy! And it's on an adventure bike too. It is. It is. It's on an adventure bike. Can I do my adventure bike rant real you quick? You go right ahead. Time me. <laughs> Check. Go. <laughs> Bothers me when people talk about like, oh, Harley people are all posers. They all want to get in their leather cosplay and act like they're going to do this and that. And it's like adventure bike people who wear their high vis and they have their big dumb aluminum cases on their bikes so that they can ride to their op from their suburb to another suburb where their office is 20 miles away and back home. Who's the real poser? Well, they're 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 both posers. They're absolutely they're both, both posers. They're both that is the doing correct exactly answer. what motorcycle people and myself included love to do, and that is. Distinguished gentleman rides, gentleman's ride is coming up. I fucking love the DGR. Why? Mm -hmm. It gives me another thing to dress up for. Yeah, yep. it's a total other costume I get to wear. Motorcycling is yeah. one hundred percent getting to live the Walter Mitty fantasy yes. in a way that is completely socially acceptable. I can have, I can have seven motorcycles, but I can fuck one woman. So I can have multiple motorcycle disease and have these different experiences on these seven different motorcycles because I'm a married guy that is saying I'm only going to ride that one thing, but I'm going to ride these seven different things. And that's for me the way I think my brain must work 
is I get off of motorcycle A and get on motorcycle B, and it's a totally different experience. And it is. And it's refreshing to get off of motorcycle A and get onto motorcycle B. Now, I have proceeded to the extension of, whoa, I have got a jacket, perhaps, that I will be less likely to wear on motorcycle A than motorcycle mm-hmm, B. Mm-hmm. And it is fucking weird, but I'm, I will admit it that I am guilty of this. I want a new helmet because it's yeah. quote-unquote safer because it has MIPS. But the real reason I want it is because it matches the two bikes I bought this huh. year. There you go. That's yeah. Happiness is doing something new yeah. and doing it well. Yeah. So there when you, you get off with this bike and you get onto a new bike, right, and it works out well, yeah, it makes you very happiness. happy. Yeah, that is uh, happiness. The death of a salesman. Your what was it? Your father's never more excited than when he was looking forward to something. Oh, okay. And then I, I probably butchered that quote, but the yes. quote I'm not going to butcher is that Barry White said that anticipation is the best part of sex. There you go. I agree with all these things, but like I have become a bit of a gear whore, you know. Gear quit. <laughs> but it is. I mean, like I, I dig it, right? So I love, I love a new jacket. I love. You know, oh, check this out. I got this new jacket. I love it. I, I enjoy it. But it is funny that, yes, my high-vis tour master gets busted out when I'm on the KLR mm-hmm. or when I'm on the, you know, whatever other bike that has knobby or tires flex on a little bit on the listeners and be like, I pull out the high-vis when I'm on, like, the MT500. Exactly. Right. So exactly. <laughs> if I owned an MT500, right. Phil, I would That's let everyone say. know every episode. <laughs> I'd never ride the fucking thing. Oh, I would I, tell everybody that I did. It is fun to... There are certain... There are certain dick measuring bikes when people come in the shop and they see the GB500 in the window and they're like, oh my God, it's a GB500! I'm like, well, my wife's GB500 is parked next to the MT500 in our garage. Is that the bike James May liked too? That, or, or no, I'm sorry. I have no idea. When you met James yeah. May or something. Oh, he was, he was on a, he was on a Motoguchi. But so. wasn't he excited that you had a GB500? Yeah, he got, got, he got really yeah, excited and you got to flex on him that your wife yeah, had yeah, one too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a good opportunity to be like, well, my wife's GB500 is cleaner. So I did, I, I've started doing that shit. Like I have eight thousand dollars worth of motorcycles. You know, I'm, I've got nothing really to brag about. But <laughs> when someone in a parking lot comes and approaches me on the Z125, I'm like, well, it's a lot easier to ride than the twelve hundred Kawasaki see, I have. <laughs> yeah. And I did see, and that is that the ADV the ADV rider. The reason I say that has the ADV rider thing hit the high fucking watermark is because. Harley's coming out with one. And Motor Guzzi. Jumping the shark. So that two companies. The same thing. Right. So two companies that are historically behind the fucking game. Two companies that always get to the party late. Historically get to the party late. Are both building ADV bikes. And Maybe they're right on time. Putting a lot yeah. into it. <laughs> and somebody sitting there flashing the lights. All right. It's time to go home. <laughs> the ADV party is over, everybody. You know. It's turns like, out knobbies don't work great on the street. Yeah. Right. It's like that's kind of when I knew like the cafe thing was over, and right. like, uh, and now how I'm realizing the scrambler thing is over. Like yeah. when Harley started doing AMF tank graphics from the factory again, yeah. I'm like, well, I just might as well not even finish my bike now. So I haven't touched my Sportster all year. Yeah, except and, to drain the primary fluid well, and find yeah. all that and metal on the drain. Doesn't look like Bozuku is gonna. Yeah. Oh, Suzuki was gonna right. I no, think I think gonna we're going to skip that, but I honestly think the reason I bought my Z-Rex is because I've always wanted one, and I think hipsters are going to latch on to well-preserved, yeah. non-squitted-out right. 80s sport bikes you is the next bikes. thing. What I've thought would save the it's motorcycle... okay, they can't fix them. Save the motorcycle industry. Yeah. And you're going to want to write this down. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, movies. Like, they yeah. just, you know, back in the 60s, 70s and everything, 
there was a lot of media and stuff about riding motorcycles, easy rider. These like, when's the last time you sort of saw a good motorcycle? Like, I mean the best. I mean, the, the, what was that? Chips did not turn out to be that tour de force <coughs> oh, that I was hoping. Oh, for. They, I was. I said Torque and Biker Boys, like the two yeah. early. Well, I guess I mean you could count movies. OCC and so all the Discovery Channel crap and everything, which but that, that got that a did, whole generation of like middle American, but that like, is now forty-five totally year old lame. white guys to buy yeah. choppers that they never rode. I didn't the girl with the dragon tattoo ride a bike. Yeah, yeah she did. So that's and a then I want to emulate a rape victim. <laughs> I'm gonna go out and get myself a CB360 black on black oh, on black on black. What was the movie before that? The girl that played with fire, and it was an E23 BMW 7 series. And that I can tell you for a fact, the values on those didn't jump up. <laughs> those are always gonna be $1,200 cars. I'm just saying that you know the right movie, the right little bit of wow, that looked really cool. That yeah. looked really yeah, fun. No, it could That's what I need to be. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. I, like selling the lifestyle. Yeah. What helps boost true. the sales? Like, I hope when they make that movie, they pick a bike that I already own. Yeah, right. So you don't have to go out and change bikes. <laughs> You're grandfathered in. And I, spending yeah. a little bit of money to, like, promote, like, the, the, none of the major manufacturers, like, okay, off-roading. Yeah. Why doesn't, like, in every state or, like, oh, okay, maybe every other state, like, somebody like Honda be like, This is the Honda off-road park. Here's 100 acres. Right. Here's where you can ride the quad runners and bullshit right. that we're selling you. Yeah. Here. Like, Honda Fun Park. Well, right. So when Jurassic World came out? Triumph had they paid yes, money they to have their, their bike scrambler in bike in yeah. it, and they let Chris Pratt keep it right, sure. at the end. You know, like how many how many scramblers do you think that sold? A lot. You think so? Yeah, I think, I, I think so. I absolutely do. Because that looked badass. They what do you think, Cam? How many yeah. did it sell? But it's uh, I don't know. I didn't. I because we definitely had a couple like, of our customers show up at that is, exact bike. The answer is you'll thing. never yeah. know. Yeah. Well, the answer is you'll never really know. Yeah. But if you don't try, and if you don't have it out there, and if you're not selling it. Because the way things are moving now is right. people want to buy easy vehicles, electric vehicles that drive themselves, and, yeah. and a motorcycle is just way out there. It happens fast, though. I mean, I feel like the I feel like the trends are happening so quickly. It's like I feel like Cafe Racer just showed up, and then boy, Ca Cafe went away fast. It was replaced by Scrambler and like lickety split, and then Scrambler went away fast. Yeah, the brat the brat subculture of Scrambler right. lasted for like yep. eight months. Yeah. And then now it's definitely ADV's had a little bit of a long run for it, but I feel like ADV's gone. And you're only ta you're talking about all things that are trying to diverge from Harley yes. Davidson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, in general, like yeah. my whole game is, I have seen we are not taking used Harley Davidsons in on trade anymore. Um, too many people are stuck with them, and it took us a very long time to get rid of the ones that we had, and we got rid of them for much much less than we'd hoped for. So it is a different market for me right now. The bikes I'm taking in on trade are very different than other bikes that I would have. I see the value of having four and five thousand dollar bikes. There is no benefit to having ten and twelve thousand mm -hmm. dollar bikes. Those are sitting. It's the Do law of diminishing like a, returns right is. there in your Do face. You, yeah. A five thousand dollar motorcycle will do everything that a $20,000 motorcycle will do probably just, I just as well. Don't I think have... especially for people buying a second bike yeah. that have realized that they like it, mm -hmm. it's, it seems weird. It seems like a lot of people in my age group go out and buy the brand new 300 or 400 yeah. cc sport bike yeah. for four or five grand. Yeah. But when they buy their second bike, yeah. they still have a four or $5,000 budget. I cannot get enough $4,000 cruisers. I cannot get enough of them. I cannot under any circumstances get that is the bike that people want to buy. That's where people that's where people are walking through that door and specifically saying I have looked at 10 bikes today on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or whatever. The market is fat 
it is the options out there are numerous. Well, you get a lot and of, in that segment. You get a lot of bike for the little bit of money tons you're paying. Tons of yeah. bike for your money. It's crazy how much bike you get. We've talked about it on this podcast. What you can get, fuel injection, et cetera, et cetera, for very, very little money. And when you've got that out there as a three or a four or a five or a six thousand dollar option, what is going to make you go to your dealership to get that exact same bike, powertrain? Because the powertrains haven't evolved. To get the same powertrain to the same basic size wheels, the same basic geometry of the bike, but it's got a slightly different paint, or it's got a USB port on it, or it's got a Bluetooth, and it's got it's now got three channel traction control and ABS. But it's the same motorcycle, just this new one costs twenty six thousand dollars, and this other one costs three, four, five, or six thousand dollars. They will achieve the same mission. Nothing depreciates like luxury. Yeah, boy, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. Luxury goes away fast. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thing. As a new bike buyer, and I do get to see a lot of new bike buyers coming into the shop, they are very much not. They're, they come into that two channels. The one channel is all they're looking at is what the monthly payment is. They don't give a shit what the base price of the bike is. They don't give a shit what the out-the-door price is. They're only looking at payments. They're only looking at, wow, $169 a month. I can swing that. And they're not even finishing the statement for how many years or what's the interest rate. They're simply saying, 169 a month, I can swing that. And that work is done. That is a very unsophisticated customer. Then the other person that's walking through the door is, is very much going, okay, I've got a budget of about $5,000 that my family will let me spend on a motorcycle so I can fulfill this dream or participate in this event. Those people who come in, they are very much aware of what's out in the market. And they're looking at a whole bunch of different stuff. And if you think that person ever was a candidate for buying a $20,000 motorcycle, they're not. They're just, that's, they will look at a $20,000 motorcycle to just be like, oh, look, it's shiny and I can sit on it. But they're going to buy a $5,000 motorcycle or less. So the most misunderstood phrase in the world of selling is the customer is always right. Oh. Because like the real meaning of that phrase is that when the little old lady comes in, and the car she sits in is a brand new Shelby GT500, mm-hmm. and she says, this is the one I want. Yeah. You don't tell her that, you know, the V6 is gonna get her back and forth to church the way she wants. Right. The question you ask is, what color do you want? Mm-hmm. How, are you, how will you be So yeah, so when, it's just like you said, when somebody says they want a $5,000 motorcycle, or they're, yeah. Do you it's, want one twenty thousand dollar motorcycle or four or five thousand dollar motorcycle? I'd rather have twenty one thousand dollars. I think that's where we're at. I was about to say. I think that's. I think that's the one question that everybody at this table could answer exactly the same I way. I could have about 50 $300 Fiats, though. Oh, so. my Jesus Christ. That is a terrible <laughs> do you, idea. Do you really? Because they're all going to be rusty in the same place. I know what well, you're thinking. So Chris is Chris is looking at a big cruiser. Like So you're looking at doing a big cruiser. That's the only way to describe it. Is It's a over 1,000 cc V-twin, right? And you're thinking that that might be a direction you want to try for a while. So your Kawasaki, well, it's not big enough. It's only an 800. It's 800. Yeah. yeah. No, no, the 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 course is a 1,000. No, but we're talking about the Drifter. Yeah, the Drifter is 800. Yeah. You need more displacement. Than the 800? There is no replacement for displacement. You're looking for baggage? Uh, comfort. Yeah. Floorboards. Yep. Highway pegs. Backrest. Yeah. 
all those things. Everything that a Moto Guzzi California has? Well, yeah, yeah. But, but I've got a budget. See? That's, that's Ooh. Hey! I mean, I mean, if I could say much, uh, much money, money's no object, then <laughs> right. yeah. No, but yeah. money's always and, and, an object. But, and, I, and I've talked to you about right. that yeah. before, and I've said, keep your eyes down on the, uh, on the auction. Well, dr drive that one around. Take that bike out. Take the one that we have here out for a ride. Not the Moto Guzzi. We're talking about a Kawasaki Vulcan 1500. But take it out for a ride because Kevin took it out for a ride. And what do and you think? What did, because he I, bought a Goldwing. Well, but, I, <laughs> but, but what did Kevin think about the... Uh, oh, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. But for his trip, the mission he was going on, which yeah. was spending three weeks cross-country, yeah. he, he and his wife decided that the Goldwing was going to be the answer because of her comfort level. Okay. She needed the full backrest. She needed everything to make. Because when you're going to spend three weeks <laughs> on a motorcycle, make no make no mistake, the person in the back is the most important part of the ride, right? So it was real important for her to be comfortable. So, so let me ask you the hard question. Yeah. This is a 2001. Yeah, yeah. So Coleridge, Nebraska is 894 miles away. Sure. Way. Yeah, no problem. Jesus Christ, no problem. It no. might be a 2001, but it's a 2001 Kawasaki 1500 with fuel injection. It's the exact same motor they're putting in the bikes today. It's no different reliability-wise than the bike from today, except for the fact that it is 18 years old. And that's everything. Which but, makes me nervous. <laughs> well, but that's that's $18,000 less money. Oh, so, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't feel like, would I even hesitate to drive that motorcycle jesus christ it has all the things i mean you it has a cruise a mechanical cruise control which is you know hokey bullshit but they all are anyway and it doesn't have heated grips i would put heated grips on it and i'd be off to the races there's no there's no doubt that a 1500 cc fuel injected kawasaki v-twin can run a hundred thousand miles how many miles are on it no now? No question. Not, not much. Yeah. yeah. Going back I don't to know. The, yeah. I have no idea. Uh, Going back to the old 35. bike versus yeah. new bike. Somewhere thing. less than 100,000. So, 35,000 yeah. miles. Right. Yeah. So what's another 800 miles? It's already, what's another 8,000? What's another 80,000? I mean, you will. Realistically. Within 100, if you yeah. can get on that bike and ride, take it for a test ride. Right. Ride it for 20 miles on the yeah. highway. If it'll make it 20 miles on the highway, It'll make it a hundred. Yeah, make that's, it really, uh, that's right. really all it comes yeah, down. That's to. That's what it comes down to. But if, as long as the, the cooling system, the fan is cycling, and everything is doing, it should make it. Of course, you know, because it's a Japanese motorcycle, a Japanese modern motorcycle from this century. So, just those re those prerequisites right there. But you're but you are breaking my first rule: is never buy a bike sight unseen without test riding it. And, well, no. By, by the time right. you fly out right. there to get it. No, no. He's he's saying that... Oh, this one. Oh, this okay. one's okay. here. You were talking about driving one home 800 miles. I may, Or was I mistaken? No, I, I said I got to go out to Nebraska. His journey is oh, 800 miles out. I'm, I'm sorry. Right. I'm flipping. I'm sorry. And then I'm, I'm going to do some... I drove a 1989 Honda Hawk 650 from Dallas to here. No problem. Sight unseen. Yeah, but you're somebody different. Well, but the point being, that gives you, that's what we can expect out of modern motorcycles. And that was in 1989, it was carbureted and everything else. But they're just that good. I mean, they are just that good. If that bike will make it from here to Avon and back, well, and do you think it'll that, make it from Do you anywhere. think that the guy who bought it brand new, who spent the you know 20 grand on it when he bought it brand new, 
do you think that he had any question about whether or not it would survive 35,000 miles? Because he didn't. And he just kept riding it and fixing it and maintaining it and doing all these fun things to it and bringing it in for service. And I re- the, only reason he, the only reason that bike's there is because the C50 isn't. So he got our C50 because the C50 is just a smaller, lighter bike, and he's just an old dude. So he couldn't handle the girth of the 1500 anymore. So he went with the 800 because he wasn't doing the long trips anymore. Well, I'll, I'll take it out. Yeah, I take mean, it I, out. Take it out and drive we, it. We because, talked about it. And I, yeah, I mean, the price, I'm offering you the steal it now price. I understand. And it's, I understand. And I have no doubt that it will go there. I have no doubt that it'll do everything you want it to do, just like I bought an 89,000-mile concourse. I rode that. Yeah. The blue one. Yeah, the blue one. Yeah. And so I had so much confidence in that bike that was, you know, that was like a 96, I think, concourse mm-hmm. that had 89,000 miles on it. Well, it's a couple thousand more miles. Well, yeah. and the point is my 89,000-mile concourse was brought into my shop with over 100,000 miles on it, still being written, still being flogged. I think that that's what you can expect out of a good motorcycle. Going, going back to how yeah. stagnant the motorcycle market is when yeah. you're looking at, like, touring bikes and adventure yeah. bikes and stuff that really didn't change. Yeah. And this is like me as like a potential soft tail customer. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't buy a brand new soft tail. Fuck spending fifteen thousand dollars on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. But given that they didn't change that right. much, you know, do I buy one that's relatively new and pay more money, or do right. I get one that's old enough that I can register it as a historic? Oh vehicle God, and you're pay talking less about the Wayback tri- Machine, yeah. But the thing is, yeah. it's it's, it's the Wayback Machine. But right. like, what changed? It's still a ninety-four. Like when I'm you saying, look at adventure bikes and touring bike. bikes, a KLR didn't yeah. change. Yeah. Didn't change. So right. I'm gonna the buy. The bike is the same bike, and the price is almost the same price. <laughs> yeah. for twenty years. So a dime <laughs> bag is a dime bag. So I'm gonna buy the old one that's much cheaper yeah. that I can register yeah. as a historic vehicle, and, and you can get some cool colors. Yeah, yeah, way cool colors, <laughs> and that's one less vehicle that I have to register when my birthday comes around in December. I have a December birthday, and as an Ohioan, that sucks yeah, yeah. because you have to spend a fuck ton of money to, at the DMV for shit that you're not going to be able to use for months. I've yeah. seen nothing, and I tried. I tried over the past couple of days thinking about this, <coughs> thinking about this podcast topic. There's nothing that I went through, and I kind of looked at different manufacturers and said, "What's your new party piece? Like, what have you got?" For the 2020 model year, the 2019 model year, that you're throwing out there, and I'm like, fuck, man, I want some of that. Or, realistically, with my budget, I want some of that in about six years. Right. Right? I'm looking to the future six or seven years from now. Because my Ducati Multistrada, which has the, you know, the Skyhook suspension system, it has the full electronic adjustable everything, all the traction control modes, and 150 fucking horsepower, that bike was over $20,000 in 2011 but it's here for ten thousand dollars less than fucking half of its original price and it has only traveled you know nine thousand miles ten thousand miles so it's every bit as good and relevant and the new one the freshest thing they have to offer me the in the added benefit is radar assisted cruise control Mm -hmm. That's the only difference between my 2011 model and the 2022 perspective model. So in 12 years of evolution, they've added radar-assisted cruise control. Well, shit, you know? A beer can yeah. doesn't need to change. No, it's, it works perfectly. It is what it yeah, is. It, it doesn't fine. really get any. If some miraculous, maybe right. it'll change, but it's, right. 
It's like a spoon or a fork. The bike became like as good as it could be. But it's really tough to justify getting somebody in the dealership to spend $24,000, man. It is really, and that's why you I have feel to like... have come up with some new hook. And that's why yeah. I feel like our industry right now is in a very, very dangerous time because you're still spending all the money. Walk down to the Triumph dealership. Walk inside. There's 29 distinct models of motorcycles, and they have to have all of them. But none of them are that much different than... All the Bonneville line is all very similar to that 2014 Bonneville or 2010 Bonneville that's sitting over there. They're so similar to that. Yet this bike can be had for under half of the cost. And how different really is it? The so, DNA is the same. It's just cosmetic, a little this, a little we're, we're that. Definitely if like, that. Yeah. We're definitely approaching like a singularity, too. We're, like, we're getting to the point where bikes from the late 80s early 90s are considered historical of course and yes. there's still bikes that you can like trust yeah. to ride Absolutely. every day and get you to work not a question at all day. i mean it's like i hate to three under the bus but like your cb77 right is not necessarily like the fact that you rode that to work and back like you had issues right like yep. you lost yep. shit fell off on the way there right yep. and it partially stopped working on yeah, the way home the old motorcycle experience but like well, that's just an improper pre-ride inspection. That's true. <laughs> that is true. It was my fault. That's all Nick's fault. But there's, yeah. you know, we're we're at a point now where like somebody can buy a bike that's 20, 25 years old. Can you buy a fuel injected classic and bike yet? Yeah, absolutely. Like some of them are. I mean, like well, yeah, nine, anything prior to '94, and there's tons of cool shit before '94. Yeah. So, and you know, like there's there's a lot of bikes that yeah. I would buy that are a lot of that bikes are, that are like from '87 to '94 that I would trust every like if I had a real job like a grown up. That I would trust myself to ride back and forth to work every day. Mm -hmm. that, so, and, and it's like, so where, so if I have like, you know, old bikes are cool. Buying a motorcycle in America is a very emotional decision. You don't buy a motorcycle because you have to. Right. You know, most people, they don't need, they don't have to have a motorcycle. Oh, I have a coworker who is looking so for like so much looking forward to when he can buy his Harley Davidson in the right. next couple months. Sure. And, and it's like talking to this guy, he is so set on right. what he wants. He knows exactly what he wants and that's what he's going to get. What does he right. want? Let's I don't know. I don't out. pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to tune him out at that point. But, like, okay, well. but, but it's that thing. He's not looking for a motorcycle. He's looking for a very particular experience. Yeah, that yeah. specific experience. And, you know, if you want to look like a, you know, if you want to pretend to be a cool badass and look like a cool badass and you want to ride, you don't want to ride a new bike. You want to ride a bike that's like 20, 25 years old or looks like it. Well, it's now you don't have to buy a new one that looks like the old one. Yeah. Now you're, and especially like if 80s sport bikes become the hot thing. I mean. We've proven we can take any of the vintage from any of the manufacturers and put a fuel injection system on it and resell it. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's exactly. that all the companies have proven. I mean, like that. the. Right. How, how many, how many retro? How many times has Suzuki tried to trot out the original nineteen eighty seven? Well, I'm saying like right. the original nineteen eighty seven Jixer paint yeah. scheme. Yeah, exactly. The light blue, dark yeah. blue, and white. Sure. And sell it, and now it's actually selling. Now right. is actually the right time well, for that paint they, scheme to sell. Yeah, they're going to have to, and that's what that's the way the market is. They're going to bring it out several times before it hits, um, and that's just that's. Yeah, as we, as we sit in the shadow of a GB500 that I don't like see 20 years late or 20 years early, depending on how you look It was 20 years it. early. And I don't see, the, the most difficult thing right now is I don't think there's enough buyers out there to prove these designers and engineers and marketing guys right. I think that right now they're going to throw a lot of shit at the wall. It's not going to stick and they're going to blame the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So they're going to think, oh, that was a failure. That was a failure. That was a failure. It wasn't the bike. It was the market. 
So it's a really tough time. That is the very unfortunate thing. When you look in the back of like Rider Magazine, I'm sure a lot of motorcycle magazines have the back page where it's like, oh, 20 years ago we were talking oh, about yeah. this bike. And it's like, right. we didn't love this bike when it came out, but history has shown that this bike is really desirable and lovable. Right. And that's going to be... Tools? Yeah. Speaking of tools... And that's going to be every of. fucking bike. So we're going to talk today about a, a cool tech tip and a cool tool because Cam brought with us the Chain Monkey. Yeah, my, so, new, my new toy. The Chain Monkey. So I'm a, a little bit ashamed to admit that right. um, it's just this year that I've purchased a motorcycle that's chain-driven mm -hmm. that I actually care about maintaining. Right, <laughs> right. And and chain tension is a fucking weird game because John and I do chain tension the wrong way, the old way. <laughs> so John and I diddle it with our finger. Um, we usually diddle it. And we look for an inch or two of chain slap. Like, yeah. And John and I are measuring the bottom of the chain. And John and I are making sure that the top of the chain is not riding across the swing arm. Okay. And that would have been good practice 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Yeah, now they put a little sticker on the swing arm that's like, you want it to be between this many millimeters and this many millimeters. And right. it's admittedly a pretty wide range, mm -hmm. but we're talking millimeters. And most modern chains do ride across the top of the swing arm on a cool little Zytel nylon track. So Which started out with motocross bikes, right? All kinds of stuff. But yeah, yeah the whole idea was you could get the swing arm angles to be different if you just fucking give up already and let the chain ride across the top of the swing arm, how bad could it be? It is a chain. It is a sacrificial device anyway. And your chains are supposed to wear out. That's how we keep selling chains. Right? The plastic thing seems to hang in longer than a chain. It's strange that that fucking tra <laughs> that that rail has lasted longer on any motorcycle I've owned than the chains I've put on, on it. And you'd think yeah. the metal chain would last longer I, than the I plastic I really, really rail. wish BMW would have used whatever fucking plastic that is mm -hmm. to make timing chain guides. Well, yeah, yeah. Because BMW right. cars have the opposite. BMW oh, yeah, V8s have the opposite yeah, problem. They're vinyl. Where, yeah. yeah, the chain guides wear out before the chains do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this device that you have is very interesting. So, yeah, so you basically... rather than measuring the slop in the chain over a large area meaning the entire distance of the lowest tooth on the back sprocket and the lowest tooth on the front sprocket, which gives you like two feet of chain mm -hmm. to flop up and down. This thing is only measuring the chain sag over about three inches. Yeah, so you just, you basically set it, you set the device, uh, it's just like a threaded... It's a screw. Yeah, it's a screw. And, <laughs> it's a and bolt. You, and you set it, you, you, you put your deflect, basically you put your deflection in the chain, and then you tighten up your um, your chain tensioners and your axle nuts so that the chain is completely taut. Okay. And then when you remove the chain monkey, yeah. there's your slack. Oh, that's a good idea. So it's a really interesting thing. That, that idea of you are applying the windage mm -hmm. and then taking, I mean, you're literally applying You're doing a it deviation. backwards almost. Yeah, you're yeah. applying a deviation. And then tightening the piss out of the chain, yeah. Because tightening to piss is tightened to piss. I don't know no that that's good. No that looks strong for plastic. <laughs> but so here's the thing: it says it on the looks back, strong for plastic. It says on the back that it's the that it's world. ABS, and I can't remember what ABS stands for because I dropped out of college twice. But yeah. I do remember it's the same thing that Legos are made out of, yeah. and I've never successfully broken a Lego. Yeah, I mean it'll, <laughs> it'll have some streaks to it. But the I, I guess the idea is pretty clever, and that there is a chart that comes with it. Yeah, it does come with a handy little chart. 
because you have to throw away our system. So our th system is gone. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use that same method until the day I die. Is there a torque spec that they that you're supposed to torque the tightening? Uh, rubbish. Thanks. Rubbish. <laughs> So, so that you don't break I, the tool. So well, that's, that's what that's, so that's that why this I brought is a it. Fantastic in. tool because I know you hate this tool. You hate everything about this tool. Yeah. So the reason I brought it in too is because yeah, it's because you guys have been adjusting chains since like you the know the right way, the right way, <laughs> the right way. You guys have been adjusting chains since like you know you were kids basically, and well, me. I'm, so I'm, start, I'm starting to write an article now. I'm doing a one-day motocross Well, it gets school. complex, too, because you also have to factor in the fact that... The alignment. No, okay, yeah. Now yeah. you've checked it, and it seems good. All right. But then when you torque down the bolt, it also gets a little extra tighter. You got it. So you've got to build a little... A little bit. Of, know what you're I'm going to tell you, the right adjuster makes... And it might not always happen the right, right the first time. Tightening Sometimes the right adjuster makes the left one looser. Yeah. So And tightening the left one makes the right one looser. And when you sometimes yep. when you tighten down the, yep. the, the, the axle bolt, yep. it'll make it... Like, it makes uh, them both looser. Or tighter, it depends. The, the beginning of an article that I'm working on now, I'm taking yeah. a one-day motocross school tomorrow yeah. as a 30-year-old man, is that there's two kinds of motorcyclists, and it's not sport bike and cruiser guys. It's oh. guys that came out of the womb riding two strokes off-road and That's guys true. that didn't start riding bikes until they moved out of their parents' house right. because their parents wouldn't let them ride bikes. That's true. And I'm in the latter category. Right. So as a result, I never learned any way to set chain right. tension. Dirt bike kids and not dirt bike you kids. You come over to my house. I'll show you. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I've successfully set the chain tension on both the Z-Rex and the Z125, but it took me like yeah. a half hour each I'll time to do camera. it because I've never done I'll it. I'll show you. Yeah. And it is a very, and it is an interesting thing because as we get into more modern motorcycles, more modern motorcycles have a much different tolerance for how much chain slap they're allowing. And, and I don't have to tell Phil this because right. I'm sure he lives it every day. The fact that you even tried to adjust your chain tension. Right. It puts you well ahead that it, it's at least going to be not fucking yeah. either Slapping. dragging on the ground or like, holy yeah. crap, it's so tight, it's binding, it's, you know, it's ready to snap. Yeah, it's like, you know, I just bought a brand new bike and I know that chain is going to stretch a ton yeah. in the first 500 miles or oh, so. Oh, and we've got a guy that just came in here the other day and he, he came in swearing up and down that he just put new sprockets on. He just put on new sprockets because the old ones were all hooked and looking like shark's teeth and shit. So he put new sprockets on and the bike is the back of the bike is just, I mean, it's fucking swinging on him. Like, he's going down the road, and he says he can feel a noticeable left, right, left, right shimmy out of this bike, and he doesn't understand why, because he just replaced his wheel bearings. So he's got brand new wheel bearings in that son of a bitch, but he's pretty sure it's the swing arm bushings, because it's a 93 GSXR, and it's uh, never had new swing arm bushings put in it. So he's, heard, he's read the internet, and he's pretty sure it's got oh boy, yeah, new swing arm bushings. Them. And I said, you know what? That's not out of control. I mean, that is a thing, and it does act that way when they're bad. So I get on and I push the bike. But you see, the thing is, within five feet of pushing the bike, I knew what the problem was. And had he had a center stand on his bike, he would have known what the problem was, too. Because rotating the chain, the chain rolled really nicely two feet at a time. It rolled really nicely for two feet, and then it got super tight and hard to roll. And then it rolled really nicely for two more feet. And he, despite his chain looking really good, when he put on those brand new sprockets, he should have put on a brand new chain. Oh, absolutely. But sprockets are 20 bucks or 30 bucks, and chain for his bike is like, like 100, bucks. 100 Holy bucks. Holy cow. Oh, you get into O-ring and X-ring chains these days, you're well over $100. 
You want some just basic, you know. Well, it's a good thing I got the chain monkey so I don't fuck up the chain on well, my brand new bike. Yeah, well, it's going to surprise people how expensive chains have become. Buy the cheap chain and boil it in a wax. That's, again, we, yeah, that is an excellent way to give yourself all the performance of an X-ring chain, even though you have it. Because the O-rings and X-rings only last a certain amount of time. Back when I did the International anyway. Six Days Trials. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's, what, I that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, you I buy got a special wax for boiling. It comes in a tin. That's like a very specific, like, I think, regional thing to us, too, yeah. is that dry rot is a problem. Because when we buy something and yeah. you get so many years of use out of it yeah. before it breaks down, right. we get half that much time. Oh, of course. Because half the year our bikes are in storage. Sitting in storage. So it's, you know, you buy a tire that's, you know, going to dry rot in five years, you actually get two and a half years of riding right. out of it. The chain monkey Same idea, the chain. The, everything about the chain monkey, I actually think is fine because the idea is, what you said, is it's adjusting the system backwards. It's doing it wrong. But what you're doing is you're saying, I'm doing everything wrong, but I'm doing it with a known variable, a known amount it's of It's holding deflection. that tolerance yes. so that you can tighten it all the way, and then when you release it, it's keeping that tolerance. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's a good a, idea. I didn't have enough time today to try it, and actually, like, my bike Ooh, has okay. about 240 <laughs> miles on it now. <laughs> Fucking kids and their goddamn technology. But this is exactly why I How much about does that cost? It. This was uh, 35 bucks. I'm not buying that. Well, first of all, I'm not buying it because first of all, I'm not buying it because I can't actually make the same thing out of things that I already have yeah. in my toolbox. Or alternatively, you call yeah. your buddy Cam that already right. bought it, and you say, "Can I or borrow I'll your chain monkey?" Or I'll just adjust the chain the right way anyway. So I'll just do it the way that the book says. I'll just look to the service manual. I'll do it the way well, my service manual on, tells me to I'm do it. I'm going to have you adjust all my chains. I want to borrow it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I probably. I mean, I don't think at any point our shop is going to have that tool in our toolbox. And it's only because part of getting mechanics to do mechanic-y things is accepting that they do them their way. Mm -hmm. And there's a great deal of satisfaction to, once you have adjusted your chain, to like spinning it and like checking it out, make sure it's not like changing, it's, it's not oscillating or varying. And yeah, there are serious situations like that guy, about 20% of his chain, when he adjusted it, for about 20% of his chain, he did adjust it correctly. He did, according to the book, get the right amount of sag in his chain for about 20% of that chain. The other 80% of the chain, when the tires rotated, the fucking chain was super duper heavy duty, way too tight. And it's all because he had brand new sprockets and an old worn out chain. You're actually changing the ratio yes. of the gearing yes. on the sprockets as it wears because yeah. As it wears, it wears smaller, yeah, so it it's smaller. now smaller. Yeah. So the chain links don't line up don't the same up. way they did. Yeah. So yeah, I can't it's going to roll so, fi so far until it wants to pop a tooth. Oh, and while the, the sprockets are getting smaller, the chain's getting longer. The chain's getting right. longer. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I can't so imagine the logic the of replacing one on and not the other. You know, it just yeah. doesn't work. Well, let me rephrase and, that. I can understand right. the logic of replacing your chain without replacing your sprockets. Sure. Not really, but, but go ahead. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, saying, I'm not saying I'm, yeah. I would do it. I'm saying I can understand. But I can't understand the inverse of that, of replacing your sprockets and not your chain. There have been times in my life where I have been forced to replace a chain without replacing sprockets. And that is usually when I had a chain failure mm -hmm. in a okay. terrible place yeah. where I did not have access to sprockets. And in those cases, I was thrilled to be holding a 520 chain in my hand sure. to begin with, regardless of how many links it had in it, because I was going to cut that fucker anyway yeah. but yeah i completely understand that it will happen that you may have 520 chain is everywhere you can buy it by the yard however sprockets for your particular bike may not be at the shop you know right. in 
whatever city in Nebraska he was mentioning earlier. Coleridge. Coleridge, Nebraska. Right? All he had to do was grind off those little points and everything and tune it up a little bit. He could have got another 5,000 <laughs> 5, miles, miles, miles out of it. Come on, he's not thinking with his wallet. Yeah, you got to think with your wallet more often. And that's, I mean, as far as as far as I'm concerned with this stuff, that's a that's a fun tool. But yeah, it's not going to change. It's not going to change the way we operate can every a, day. Can a sprocket get so worn that you switch to a smaller pitch chain? <laughs> to, <laughs> to compensate for it. Now I understand, I like the out, the outside position. of a sprocket is right. probably hardened, and the inside probably not hard enough. I'll tell you. At a certain point, what happens yeah. is your counter shaft sprocket, the small one on front, yeah. loses yeah. all its heat. Oh yeah, it loses all its heat. It just turns. That's into, the one that goes. It's yeah. gone. Huh. Yeah. And that does go. And I've you know I've spent enough time on little two strokes and stuff that are hectic and spinning at too many RPMs, and there is a point where. You're like, ah, oh, this, this chain looks pretty good. These brackets look pretty good. And then, like, a week later, you look at it, and you're like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. So they'll last really good for a certain number of miles. But like you should be able to take at least one, maybe two links out of the, you know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Like, they yeah. start taking links out. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I've always done that. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I want to mention that uh, Kawasaki put the master link on backwards on my chain. Oh, I don't know. Is the fish Ooh. swimming downstream? Or? The fish swimming <laughs> The open, was the it open part is facing forward, yeah. and that's the opposite of how it's supposed to the be. The open right? part is facing forwards on the top or the bottom run. Yes. Wait, let's rephrase that. Is the open of the mouth, is the mouth of the clip facing towards the motor on the top run or on the bottom run? Oh, on run? the top. It's facing towards the motor on the top run. Oh, then that's wrong. Yeah. 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 It should be pointing towards the motor on the bottom run. Kind of surprised me. Because I've been very impressed with the build quality of my bike so far. Hey. Warranty claim. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait until like the 600 mile mark when it's got some wear in it, and then I'm gonna be like, I want a new chain. This one's fucked. <laughs> yeah, like what did you put this fucker on backwards? Right. I think we can all agree that somebody installed this tire the wrong way. I mean, this chain the wrong way. I mean, it is it is an interesting thing. But, yeah, because the right. closed end is supposed to be facing forward on the top run of the chain. On the outside, right? Yeah, theoretically, in right. case something rubs right. against the side yeah. of the yeah. chain, yeah. right. And the chain is going this way. It's going to not. It's not going to pull it off. It's going to hold it off. I feel like on a bike that's going to see. So it should be pointing. The open spot should be facing the rear Mm -hmm. as it's on traveling across the top. Top run. And when it goes down the bottom, it should be facing the back. I feel like on a bike that's going to see less than five miles of off-road use per year. It's probably the reason I check the bottom run. Because it's more accessible. And because the top rung has a chain guard on it. <laughs> that's, not a oh, that's true. <laughs> on all the old motorcycles. Because <laughs> real motorcycles had chain guards. And not this funky newfangled shit they have today with no chain guards. What are they thinking? Doesn't anybody wear bell bottoms anymore? Well, how do you how do you adjust Herbery. a chain in like an old Honda that has the full enclosed oh, chain case? You didn't know about that. Like a Honda Dream that has yeah. the fully enclosed chain? Yeah. Uh, because it has the fully enclosed chain, you never have to adjust it. What? And you're absolutely correct. They've most have never been adjusted. I swear to God, they've never been adjusted. I have owned so many old (laughs) Honda motorcycles that have had fully enclosed chains. See that red bike? Yeah. Down there on the the end. Go take a look at that. See if you can figure out how to do it. When you hear it go, clack, 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 clack. I swear to fucking Jesus, for some reason, when Honda. 
put the fully enclosed chain, and a number of companies have done it. Mm-hmm. MZ had a bunch of. There's no bikes. oil bath or anything yeah. like that. It's I just mean, a enclosed. These what you do are, is you loosen it up till you hear the chain rattling on the inside <laughs> of the thing. He's not kidding. <laughs> and then you tighten it up a quarter of a turn, yeah. and that's good. Right. Oh my god. Once it's not rattling anymore, is that what you the, the owner's manual says? No, the owner's no. manual says to take out take the rubber it all plug. The way yeah. That and look at an inspection. Oh, there's an thing, access port. There's a your, rubber plug, and you I can see stick it. your finger in there, it. and then you yeah. do it. But the great part of that is because it's an enclosed chain, it they never really, fucking wear out. It doesn't wear out. It, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't get, get any dirty. Dirt on it. it doesn't. So every once in a while, maybe you want to shoot some scoop goop in there. Yeah, and, yeah. But I had a guy come in the other day with an, one of the brand new BMW, brand new, a couple of years old BMW F700 GSs that is actually an F800. So. We talked about it in a podcast years ago that BMW, through to some bad marketing error, they put an 800cc motor in their 700 bike. So the F700 GS actually has an 800cc motor in it. And they still call it an F700 GS. This is why I'm fucking done with BMWs, man. So... Two or four. This wheels. is a but thing. But wasn't there a GS800 that was actually a 650 or something like there that? There was, I the way around? think, yeah, this, but you okay. brought the bike in. So the bike is a GF700 GS, but it has an 800 motor in it. So way to undersell, right? But he did have his own homemade Scott oiler on it. Mm. So he had a syringe, a medical syringe, zip-tied to the frame where he could get to it with his hand. Mm. He had it full of chainsaw lube. And then he had a tube, a surgical tube, zip-tied the whole way back onto the chain guard, all the way to the back, to a piece of felt that was just almost touching the teeth on the the row of his chains. Just breathing on it. And then as the motorcycle was going down the road, occasionally he would reach down and give that plunger a squirt. And yeah, that would put oil. 2.5 cc. Uh, That's oil. the most fucking BMW motorcycle ownership I've ever fucking <laughs> Because had. he didn't want to pay the actual real money for a Scott oiler, which yeah. you fill of oil and it does that. Or this Honda used to have an oiler system on the CD750. That was a chain oiler built. Mine into just the leaked motorcycle. out all over the place. But. Right, or just the <laughs> or the front counter shaft seal that just leaks oil out and oils your chain that way. I mean, you got you sell a wonderful product, the chain wax and stuff, yeah. little yeah. aerosol thing. Put yeah. your bike up. Well, what I would say is that this guy that had invented this thing or made this thing to keep his chain oily with chainsaw lube, what he had managed to do was accumulate every bit of rock, abrasive, gravel, grit, shit ever. This chain looked like one of those pretzel rods from Mally's Candies that's <laughs> dipped in all kinds of different flavors. You know, it's like got nuts and shit and like sprinkles and crap on it. That's what the dude's chain looked like. Rock oh, sugar man. candy. I'm fucking pretty certain, as certain as I can be, that adding abrasives to your <laughs> chain on the regular is not making it last longer mm. because that oil is just an attractant. Like So anything that's g- dirty or gritty that would normally bounce off of it is now stuck to it. Do you that's watch Fortnite on YouTube at all? No. no uh, I don't. I, I, I watched really, a couple of them, but I do not I do not hang with him I, I really because like, he told me the 10 motorcycle products I absolutely must own, and I laughed at eight of them. Really? And called him a fucking noob. I need to, uh, I need to watch that particular video because <laughs> so you know like, he can't punch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like his attitude kind of bothered me at first a bit because he does come across a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to say like pompous, but it is just yeah. a very Canadian sort of He's attitude. 
That's but I like the fact that he's completely independent in everything he oh, does. Yeah. He's yeah. not bankrolled by anybody. Right. I like that. Yeah. Um, but he did do a really great video of actually like scientifically testing different kinds I of stuff that. on chains. Yeah. Yeah. And he tried uh, Pam cooking Pam. spray, yeah. WD-40, yeah. and then like all the major. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was shit out there that's like I've heard people recommend to me for okay. chains yeah. that him, that did worse than Pam. Pam cooking spray. I watched the same test and I that's kind of that's an old thing that yeah. old geezers I know that are like, yeah, spray some pledge on it. You'll be fine. And I have people that I know who have ridden way more than I have who still to this day when they're traveling take with them a can of pledge <laughs> for the windshield of their bike, the visor of their face shield and for their fucking chain. It is one product that does three things and does it well. I mean, fucking well. So what do you clean? So, so that clean, that's like a, you're using pledge as like a one step. You clean yeah. it and lubricate it with yeah, the pledge. pledge. Yeah. I assume if you did it like every week or if you, if you were the kind of person that brought it with you, so it means you were doing it on the road, it was probably fine. <laughs> it's like talking to your plants, man. Every time I plants resurrect. Plants look better when you talk to them. That means you fucking care. Every right? time I resurrect a bike, I always start off with the WD-40s. Right. <laughs> because the WD-40 is nice and thin and soaks in yeah. and then and will fling hurt. off with most, of the, most yeah. of the dirt. Right. And that usually is very good at getting that chain loosened up to begin with. Yep. So then after... A couple hundred miles, not right. a whole lot. Yeah. Then I go with something heavy, but I always like to start off with something light. Yeah. The pledge probably does the same thing. It's the same. But these guys, they're riding, they're hardcore. Yeah. They're zipping some pledge on there every other every day. other time. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm sure that's and it fine. goes back to what I said before. The fact that you're paying attention and yeah. lubricating yeah. your chain with anything at all, right, is at least you're you know maintaining. Real. Isn't pledge a spray wax? Yeah, it's a spray wax. Yeah, it's a fucking Johnson & Johnson product that's been out for 100 fucking years as far as I can Why tell. Why are we going to wax on the chain? I sell I sell Can't thousands of dollars worth of chain wax every fucking yeah, day. What's it, like the Fab One or whatever? I don't know what brand you yeah, sell. But you all, want wax on the chain to keep it from yeah. corroding. Yeah. And wax, it's so just like oil, yeah. it eliminates friction on right. the metal parts. Right. So all the friction is in the wax. Yep. Yeah not on the metal surfaces. So but they never it, actually touch. But it doesn't attract as much, right. I'm sure, as the chain oil does. Well, you know, when you go and with something waterproof. like chainsaw lube, yeah. which is like fucking Super honey. Super viscous honey. Yeah. Yeah. It's or like, ejaculate. It's like 140. So that's going <laughs> to attract every dirt and... Yeah. Everything's going to stick hold it with suspension. Right. It's liquid grinding salt. So a lot of like what, what you yeah. sell, like the chain wax, is yeah. it, it sprays on, it bubbles yeah. up, it yeah. soaks in, and then it dries up, and it leaves like a white film. Right. So it's less yeah. likely to attract. Maybe I'll switch to wax. I like that idea. Yeah. Oh, we sell switch to pledge. We sell gobs of chain wax, but exactly. Honestly, with as yeah. obsessive as I am about maintaining as cheap my bikes, as pledge is as compared to chain wax, because chain wax is going to run you. You know, the motorcycle industry exists on twenty dollars a can. Right. Like yeah. anybody will buy anything for twenty dollars a can, and you can take a product that costs thirty-eight cents, aerosolize it, put it in a can. And put a picture of a motorcycle on it. You'll or sell it for that's in the case of chain wax. Take yeah. a can of pledge yeah. and put a, a motorcycle. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe that's not a bad idea. That's more or less. I like think that's where the guy went wrong. He filled up the syringe with chainsaw lube. Yeah. He should have had a thing where you, bam, you put your little cartridge of whatever your favorite lube is. Right. And it has a little hose that goes yeah. down your thing. And when you're riding, you just go over and hit the top of the air. Well, they make can. so they do make that system. Okay. Uh, Motorex sells one, and what you're buying is you're buying the can 
with a special tip on it mm -hmm. with a, a tube that comes with like 48 inches of tube on it and a bunch of zip ties. So you can go for a ride around the block, yeah. hit the can, yeah. so it's like your chain, a, it's like not leave drops in your garage or driveway. Right. right. Exactly. So it's like one of those WD-40 yep. tubes, but really long. Really like, long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just a plastic. And there's a couple of different companies that manufacture that for your motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Again, zip tie it to the frame rail under your seat or wherever okay. you That's get to That's my super it. secret uh, product yeah. that I want to develop that we can't talk about, but I'll tell uh, you after. We'll tell you about after the podcast. We have super secret <laughs> podcast. I told everybody about my scented uh, lens cleaner anti-fog. Yeah, that ain't nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a super secret. Shark uh, remember guys, sign up for the Distinguished Disgruntled Gentleman's Ride. Mm -hmm. um, September 29th, sign up and participate in that thing because that's going to be fun. Uh, other thing, I was thinking about what if we did a ride two weeks after the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride called the Disgruntled Gentleman's Ride? Or the Disturbed Gentleman's it's Ride? fucking every day. That's right. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the anti-DGR. Uh, doing something that is just more like a... We're not here for any sort of good cause. Naked. We're here because... We just want to be us, and we're we're just gonna to get together. And we ride should around dress like we're walking down to Circle K to buy scratch offs and cigarettes. Oh man! <laughs> 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 and Meckle Fresh shows up, ready for the rally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like that you get prepared early. Yeah, she did. So that's fantastic. Anybody else got anything else? No. All right, I'm going to a hearse rally on September 21st. <laughs> Great, nice. Because that's the thing we do now. Sure. I'm going to go to a hearse rally in L. Hearse shifters? No, her. Oh, fuck. No. No. Not uh. hearse. Are you, are you going to wear So I heard you special? haven't been feeling well. Ooh. I do have a full size Godzilla inflatable costume right yeah. around there, though, awesome. that I will be getting out of the hearse occasionally and chasing people around in. I don't want to. Awesome. I, I just want to prepare you. Yes. I'm not saying this person's going to upstage you, but yes. currently in the tri state area, yes. there is for sale yes. an Audi 80 hearse. I that's saw that. Awesome. It looks Bro, like a Pope Mobile. You saw oh, that? Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. That was at uh, my old job. Right. Really? The right person on. that owns that car and is selling it now brought it to my old job. Wow. That's and it was cool. Really nicely done conversion. They usually are. They spend a lot of money making hearses. So I'm looking forward to the Hearse Fest. That's going to be fun. Uh, the name of the Hearse Fest is Just Hearsing Around. Oh. No! That's called Just Hearsing Around. It's in uh, Hell, Michigan. Hell, Michigan! I predict you are going to be one of the stars of that show. Well, whatever. They, I, Somebody said they they're, do they do a burnout competition. Oh. Can you use that? Can, can you, you use it? your Hearse you when it? I bite it? Can you yeah, hold me I, in the back? Not, we'll Phil doesn't like to do burnouts. I don't like doing burnouts. That's, I don't well, like that's putting, rubber going up and I was going to say, that's, that's yeah. turning money into stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like anything that turns money into stupid. People are like, do a whole shot. No, I, he, he'll be like, vroom, 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 yeah. oh, yeah. It, no. well, it, Whatever. Yeah. yeah, fuck you. Just enough to win. All right. The uh, That's it, man. Ride fast and take chances. Press the fucking button. I always hate this. This one's tough. Keep singing. There it goes. All right, we got it.